Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whatever time of the day you care to listen. Uh, it's uh, it's do you expect to talk? <laughs> and he said something different there. <laughs> what did you normally say? No, well, nearly say so. It's a cinematronics book. Oh no, it's not. It's, no, it's, uh, not, it's not. It's not. It's no, okay. It's... You have baby brain. It's all right. Yes. Well, yeah, we are talking about doing one of those. We might go into that in a minute. We are talking of doing a cinematronics podcast in the next few days, or one of these. And yes. it, we don't know what banner yes. we're doing it on. Yeah. But, um. I, well. Well. I, I, I assumed it was going to be D Space to talk. Yeah. It might as well be actually. It's only ever cinematronics was just me and you actually, and yeah. Beck is going to be on this one. It's um. We're, we're going to just. We're just going to do like a bit of a yearly review, but it won't be like the summer review. With, with the summer review, Chris and I talk for 10 minutes beforehand, listing out the films we've both seen, listing out the films he hasn't seen and wants to talk about, or wants me to talk about, and vice versa. And that will vary from year to year. And then broadly, I keep that list and I just prompt us along with moving on to this or whatever. I don't think we're going to do it like that. We'll just We'll just chat about what we've seen and it will go a bit random it will just and, be like and, and how we felt of the year in general like you know yeah we're just gonna have a chat about whatever for as long as we want to just yeah. as a little bonus for you all yes um and we're gonna do that probably before new year it'll probably maybe out around new year actually because we, we're recording with charlie again on the 23rd that'll come out sometime between christmas and new year um for the good the bad and the ugly but this is this is our once yearly special chris Yes, it's our commentary, Christmas commentary, um, which I forget how many of these we've done. It's, it's, I, I'm amazed how many we've, of, of it we've um, done, because uh, we've been going quite a while now. Uh, seven. This will be seven. We 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 did. Um, We're literally running out of Christmas movies. Well, well more on that in a minute. <laughs> we've we, got we, a few on our list. We're not. We can still, but like I fancy doing a film that that feels like a holiday film to me, and we'll come on to that in a minute. And it isn't. And I've actually made this argument before that one year I may, I'm not saying I will, but I might decide to do Groundhog Day. Well, Groundhog Day's the 2nd of February, but <laughs> it's set in the snow and it's a bit of a holiday for that the residents of that town or whatever. It, it, it does feel very much like uh, like that, that sort of Pottersville type town, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, it's a seasonal that, film. It that does. That, that Christmas town. Bedford Falls, that, yeah. That, like everyone yeah, Bedford Falls. Like yeah, everyone Pottersville's the one with all the strippers and that. I'd rather watch that, but... Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. That'll be the spin-off. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, of yeah. course. Oh. All the slums. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I need to... Uh, a warm front moving in in that film would have been totally different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so we, we started with... There's a movie called Pottersville. Is that... With, uh, yeah, it's, it's on Netflix or, or or on the stream like Netflix or um, really Amazon. Yeah, it's, um, it's, not, it's not the Wonderful Life spin-off we no, were asking for. No, it's not. Because I, I, I did think that I was like, is this no? But no, it's um, it's got um, what's his name, um, General Zod in it. Oh really, uh, Michael Shannon? Yes. Okay. I didn't know that. Well, you might have meant Terrence Stamp to be fair, but yeah. Yes. Might... <laughs> well, he's going to be one of the two, isn't it? It's like. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Until but, James uh, Gunn does his thing and it's like some twelve-year-old. Um, <laughs> yeah, I um, no, just on the whole Christmas. I mean, we started with "It's a Wonderful Life," so we started with a choice from me, and then I think it was "Love Actually" with Chris, and then I think it was. What did you choose the first time? I can't remember, Becca. Um, I've actually got a list somewhere. I'll try and find it. Let's. I know my oh. second choice was Trading Places. Uh, we did Gremlins. We did oh Scrooged it was. Yeah, uh, Scrooged. We, uh, was it? we did Gremlins. Uh, we did uh, Jingle, Jingle All the Way. Way. And now we're back round to me again. 
Yeah, thought it was a wonderful life with yourself and the training places and my choice of Scrooge. They've actually jingled all the way, Gremlins. Yeah. And this is, tonight's film is your so, choice, Dave, so what do you ba- believe? Ba- basically, just to summarise, we've had six Christmas commentaries, we've had four Stone Cold classes, classics and Chris's choices. I don't care, you can pick anything well, you like. Now, we're not, one, two, three, we're not, four, yeah, we've five. done... Six. Six, seven, yeah. eight, nine potential family or seasonal or holiday. We have not films. done a single version of a Christmas Carol yet, so there's, no, we haven't. there's, there's loads least, of those. There's a choice of those. Uh, there's including the Muppets one. Um, there's loads. We're not running out of Christmas films. It's more about what I no. fancy doing this year. And, and we in haven't my even case, done things like Die Hard or you know Krampus or any kind of any international Christmas movies, any you know any um, worldwide. Uh, Christmas or, or festive. We, we've still got obviously Easter. Chris's next choice will be something like Santa with muscles, but <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, there, there was, was that, that violent night that came out, wasn't there? Yeah, of course. You know, every year something gets added to it. We may end up doing that on like a home version in a year or two. You just don't know. We're not yeah. really running out of Christmas films. It's more about what what do you watch on a cold night with your Christmas lights on. That, that evokes the holidays to you. Now, of course, we're all British, so we don't have Thanksgiving here. So we're all, we know what Thanksgiving is, and we know how it's different, but at the same time, it's still fundamentally in the film I'm about to introduce. It, it's somebody going home in snowy weather to eat turkey with his family. And that, to me, is, is a holiday. And the fact that we don't have Thanksgiving, that can stand in as a Christmas film, as far as I'm concerned. So I've gone with the 1987 John Candy and Steve Martin film, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Yeah, so, I mean, it gets my question, what is a Christmas film? Wasn't it? Oh, here we go, that old chestnut. Um, <laughs> I don't have a single answer to it. I think I think that there's... I, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, by definition, is not a Christmas film, but it makes you feel the same way. Those heartwarming sort of family getting together things, mm. you know. Oh, we there's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation as well, of course. Oh yeah, National Lampoon. Um, yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, what's I struggle. I, I think a Christmas film is is personal. What what does it mean to you? Now, obviously, we just mentioned Avatar, for example. Avatar will never be a Christmas film, whether you choose to watch it because it came out at Christmas. Lord of the Rings, you know, they all <laughs> yeah. came out near Christmas, so maybe people watch the trilogy at Christmas. Majesties, I, no. I, I think Christmas kind of almost needs to be in it somewhere, you know? And, um, I mean, Majesties, it's quite oblique, really, in that they are decorating a Christmas tree at one point, and it's set in snow. Um, Die it's Hard. Not, it's not. It is doesn't have a massive Christmas. plot point, though, does it? It's not a massive plot point, though. No. I mean, it's it's barely more of a Christmas film than For Your Eyes Only is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but there is a Christmas tree in it, and I watch it around Christmas. And I know Chris, you watch Die Hard, and you, you can't really argue because it's set at Christmas. But there's nothing yeah. about that film that really evokes Christmas. It could have been set in October, couldn't it? It's kind of like, yeah. I mean, well. I, I, Generally, yeah, it could be. You know, I mean, funny enough, it's like like Gremlins that was released at summertime as well. Yeah. Um, it's like that other thing, Batman Returns again, set at Christmas, set at Christmas, yet yeah, released at summer. <laughs> I know. Um, it's yeah. It, I mean, it's 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 very difficult because whenever I have everyone has these space, like those Die Hard Christmas movie, and well, it all comes very much like popularised thing to say now. Yeah, but it's only Die Hard. 
It's like, can, can't you come out with a hot take on another action film that only well, tangentially yeah, has anything yeah, well, to do with Christmas? That, that, well, like Lethal Weapon, I always like that. That's why I go up. Lethal Weapon is a just as much as a Christmas movie as uh, as Die Hard. You could make an argument. I've, 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 I've said on the podcast so. before. Yeah, you could say it more, it's more so. I mean, but you know, these things are in there. Like, for example, Plane Trains and Automobiles. A, a guy getting get back to his family. What's Die Hard about? It's about a guy literally fighting for his wife. You know, he's fighting to stay with his wife. That's essentially what it is. Um, he he, go, he goes to Nakatomi Plaza to save his save his marriage, and he ends up actually literally fighting terrorists to the death for it. Mm. Um, again, Lethal Weapon is about like uh, a, a basic amount of, like fight for a man's soul. He get that gets like, um, you know, he he, he 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 finds reason to live by being like involved in a, like a good man's family, and you know. Uh, and, and that very man finds like a reason to carry on, you know, carry on doing his duty. You know, he finds like they, they, they basically find each other. Yeah. You know, that is a Christmas movie. You know, you, you could say it's just as so much as say it's a wonderful life. I mean, it, it's it's not done the same way, but it's it, you know the the <clears> themes <throat> are actually in there when you when you actually dig deeper beyond like you know the you know the the gunfights and whatnot. You know, it's, you know they are there. Um. So, and day when when it comes to what well, is a Christmas movie, it's basically a movie you watch at Christmas. Yeah, and that's that's all it is. You know, is uh, some of them we, you'd word it different because if someone says, "Yeah, my favorite Christmas films Die Hard," and you think, "Yeah, a bit of a hot take, but fuck, not really a hot take anymore." But you know what I mean? Yeah. And you go, "Yeah, okay." I think if it was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'd be more likely to word it. They're films I like to watch at Christmas because they originally came out around that time yeah. of year. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars is, again is another one, but then Star Wars kind of has a feel like like you're opening your new favorite toy. Yeah, because you know uh, that's not to diminish like the, the franchise anyway, yeah. but it has that kind of like because it's associated with action figures. It's very much it feels like um, it's that it has that sort of sense of fun that child look fun as a kid yeah so you, i don't know where that happen. leaves avatar though because both of those films have been released at christmas more or less yeah. and the new one is effectively in what is a pretty much a stand-in for the pacific islands it would be like calling moana a christmas film well that came around around christmas as well didn't it did it yeah yeah it was well, not far off okay. uh it, it was definitely it was definitely at least november it was out by. jaws for the revenge is a jaws the revenge <laughs> yes. is a christmas film yeah. Prometheus is a Christmas film. That's set at Christmas. Yeah. Well, um, all the characters behave like they might have been a bit pissed up on something Christmassy. You know, but they were a bit thick in that film, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you've seen a sort of fairly good cross section of the sort of things we pick. I mean. Trading places. I mean, that that takes place over a few weeks or months, doesn't it? I mean, it's a wonderful life. It's just that the framing device is Christmas Eve. He's going to kill himself on Christmas Eve. But you know, there's there's large bits of that film set in the summer or the spring, or you know what I mean. It's mm. it's all over the place, but it but it's kind of heartwarming at the end. Um, it there was the buzz. I'm sure people consider that a Christmas film they watch at Christmas. Yet yeah, it's not really got anything to do with Christmas. Um, but yeah, would you consider Wizard of Oz a, a Christmas movie? Do you know I've, what I mean? I've never thought about it. I've never um, thought about it. But yeah, in in, in terms of 
what is a Christmas film? That is a debate you can have. In terms of what we're going to class for this, hmm. I just think, yeah, it can be... It, it, it's something that vaguely evokes winter holidays and, and, it, and is something that you would watch around this time of year. I'm using a bit of a cheat this year, but it's partly because along with a Groundhog Day, it's just the sort of classic I'd like to cover, and I think it, it doesn't go under its own series. Uh, being a comedy, they're very difficult, a bit like the Austin Powers films, they're very difficult to sit and critique. So th- they're better to just throw on and talk over. Indeed. So you've chosen... So has this always been a favourite of yours, Dave? Yeah, funnily enough, I've got... I don't remember my first viewing of it, but I f- remember my first exposure to it in that I used to watch Barry Norman's film show and sometimes at the end of his show as he signed off he would show you an upcoming film and I don't think he showed a trailer he showed the bit where him and Kevin Bacon are racing for the taxi and he showed that signing off a show and I was like oh and I liked Steve Martin I think I'd already seen The Man With Two Brains at least I think I might not have seen The Jerk at that point I think I saw The Jerk two or three years later um, but I'd seen a couple of Steve Martin films and liked him. I don't think John Candy, even though John Candy had been in Splash and I'd seen Splash, I didn't give it, I, I didn't, he, he hadn't imprinted on me. And I don't mm. think he did until Uncle Buck, which is a year or two later. So it was mainly like, oh, Steve Martin, I like him. And I saw it fairly soon afterwards. I definitely didn't see it theatrically. And it's one of those films that if it when we all used to watch television in a more traditional way, I used to watch it if it popped up. I showed it to my wife about a year ago because she'd never seen it. Um, it, It's something I'm always happy to throw on. So, yeah, it's always been a favourite of mine Um, in terms of and I think there's there's a couple of other reasons for that now i mean obviously and this has now been the case for a very long time the untimely death of well john candy's the obvious one i remember going to see my grandparents i was about 17 at the time and i picked up their newspaper and it was on the front and it just said john candy dropped dead yesterday at the age of 43 and and it didn't i I don't mean to make a joke of this because it's not funny but my reaction almost was you know when you read something and you understand it but you've not taken it in properly so i read john candy dropped dead at the age of 43 and my first reaction in my head was is he all right now like (laughs) he dropped dead yesterday but don't worry he's fine uh but then john john hughes didn't live to much of an age the shock of something shock of you know that's what it was oh my gosh i'm not making a joke but john hughes didn't even make it to 60 um and and I think his career was a strange one in that most of his stuff, I don't even know what he died of. I, I suspect it, yeah, it was a heart attack. Sorry, I, I am looking. Um, but he died at 59. Both of them died of heart attacks. And um, John Hughes' career without looking, his early stuff was great and made his legend and his influence is still in a lot of things. As profane as they can be, um, Kevin Smith, uh, for his films, has always cited him as a reference. They've definitely been an influence on the most recent Spider-Man trilogy, the Tom Holland one. Um, but towards the end of his career, so this is this. I, I'm wondering if this is a, basically the stepping off point, because he wrote or directed or produced so many of these great films, through to probably thinking about it, Home Alone. And then after that, 
he becomes like a writer of lots of things and I, I can't remember what he wrote now but I've got a feeling it was things like Problem Child and possibly Curly Sue but th this is like towards the end of his peak where anything he did was great Steve Martin had done Roxanne the year before he'd done I'm trying to think what he did before that um, I think what's he called The Three Amigos was probably the year before as well uh, two years before that he did All of Me uh, that that's the title of a film. I'm not saying he did all of me. Um, a couple of years before that, the man with two brains, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. He did the jerk. So that's th a great film. This is towards the end of Steve Martin's peak as well, because there was a period where everything he did was amazing. Probably through to something like L.A. Story, which is about four years after this, and then he seemed to sort of just do any old shit for money. So this is this is like a moment in time where three legends, the director and the two leading men, are absolutely at the peak of their powers, and it doesn't last for much longer after this. Yeah, because um, yeah, John Hughes just didn't sort of he just stopped making movies. Yeah, but he he carried on like writing for a while. Yeah. Um, and but and so. If you think of my formative years, I mean, I was about 10 when this was released. But if you think of the years that followed, I mean, Home Alone did not jive well with a 13-year-old boy. I, I just found... I, I'd probably... Not the target demo. I would probably appreciate it now, but I was just coming out of the target demographic and I just found him loud and insufferable. <laughs> but Home Alone was a massive success. I know that. But then he went and did Only the Lonely, which was a much smaller film. And then he just wrote a load of crap, just as I was getting into my pretentious teenage years. So I never understood the fuss about John Hughes. And I, I didn't even see The Breakfast Club till I was in my 30s. I saw, well, it, I saw it in America a few um, years ago. I, I, I'll, I'll say something now. Um, hot take coming from here. Um, I think The Breakfast Club is extremely overrated. I find yeah. that movie kind of irritating and uh, a bit like uh, it, it, it might be because it, it, it established so much as what is considered like norm now, like isn't the stereotype tropes. Yeah, yeah, so that's where we've come from pretty much really, isn't it? And well, I mean, and plus also like everything that's come out recently about like how he treated his, his team and how he treated the cast and everything, it's just. I mean, it's not, you know, obviously not cancelled one thing or another, but you just think, oh my god, really, you know. So it's just, it's no surprise, really. Well, I've got mixed feelings on him. I mean, I actually avoided the Breakfast Club, and the reason being, I continually saw only the scene where they were dancing, and yeah. I just assumed the whole film would be that, and I, I really wasn't on board for it. But when I look at his films, uh, the Breakfast Club. I like, but I appreciate that I saw it long past the age I was. It was aimed at me, so I was trying to sort of think of it through the prism of what's it, tar what's it, ta what's its target demographic, and it would be good. Weird Science I loved as a kid, mainly because that's total wish fulfillment if you're a teenage boy. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off I don't like at all. Um, I find Matthew, what's he called? Mary, uh, Broderick. Matthew Broderick I find him absolutely insufferable in it the character's an asshole uh, Pretty in Pink I like some I kind he's, of he's wonderful not meant to be likeable like. though is he isn't it to be a bit of a get you're meant to, to be, be on his side though aren't you isn't it meant to be wish fulfilment for teenagers he gets gets a day off and gets yeah, to he's school. Off school. Yeah, but I, isn't, you know isn't what it? He, 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 I don't think Matthew Broderick's a good actor oh, oh, he, he's oh, yeah. not a leading man by any stretch oh no no he's not 
and they tried to make him a thing because he, he had a hit with war games when he was a teenager mm. um, but yeah then he goes on his final film as a director was Curly Sue and, and I again also the film show they played a clip from that and I just knew I never wanted to watch it so I can't comment on if it's any good but what I saw of it was fucking obnoxious I also think Christmas Vacation is not the strongest vacation film now we may cover it on this show but I think the first two are stronger I think Vacation and European Vacation are both better films certainly Vacation I think European Vacation I need to see again because I haven't seen for a long time so you are getting like a 12 year old's opinion on it there um, uh, its greatest success, yeah, greatest commercial success was Home Alone. Um, and yeah, then he went on to do he went on to do like Dennis, Dennis the Menace, the American version of it. Like wrote it anyway. Yeah, I didn't see Baby's those. Day Out. I saw Baby's Day Out. We had some visitors. That does around. sound very John John Hughes-ish, doesn't it? Yeah, it well, does. I yeah, saw, I don't think I saw either of those. I saw Baby's Day Out years ago because uh, I, I was married before and we had, we had like uh, uh, some friends around for for dinner one night and they brought this film because she really liked it and they put it on and it was dreadful. And that's that's fine. You know what I mean? You share things. Not everything's going to be a hit with everyone in the room. So, yeah, he had a strange career. And as a result, this film really stands out because it's one of the few films where they're, they're all still at their peak. Although Candy's success went on for a few years afterwards, obviously. Um, but, I mean, he was dead seven years after this. And, you know, John Hughes made it about another 20. Mm. Um and yeah it's just the bit, bits of it stood out and and we're kind of used to cringe comedy now this was i don't know that this is cringe comedy it's not the david brent saying something stupid and everyone looking at him while they're silence but there is this cringing at the situation he keeps finding himself in and it's just you're like from one bad situation to you're another. enjoying it but you're like give this man some kind of break this is yeah. awful um right it was from cringe the comedy before it was well, that it's trendy now, but before it was yeah. popular, before it was trendy in the 90s, early 2000s. And also, it's it's a, it's around the same time as things like Wall Street. And whilst this film isn't trying to say anything, it's just a comedy. You do think, like, he's miles from home in some soulless office, making profits for people long past the time he should be on a plane. Our perception of the United States is, for any of you listening, you get nowhere near enough leave anyway. You know, the idea you, you know, you take off like Thanksgiving and that's it. Or you take Christmas Day and then you straight back to work. It's like, yeah, yeah, they don't get much annual leave, do they? They don't. They get a fraction of what we get. And we get less than than continental Europe. We're actually quite stingy. We still get a lot more. Yeah, we're quite low on the list of countries that get annual leave. But the point is, um, it, it, it just feels like at that... You know, you wonder why he's doing it. You know, he's in New York fighting for taxis too long at an office in what looks like quite a soulless job. And then he has a murderous time trying to get home. And you just think, like, his house is lovely. His family are lovely. Can't he get a job there and maybe earn a bit less? (laughs) Then there wouldn't be a film. Well, yeah, I know that. It'd just be him him getting up for breakfast, wouldn't it? Oh, this is nice. Oh, at the end. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway... um, Mm -hmm. Let's get this show on the road. I'm watching the Amazon Prime version of it. I actually thought I bought a copy, but it turned out I didn't. But fortunately, I could have got a copy. It's not the end of the world. We still have been able to do it. But uh, when I looked today, I I didn't actually purchase it. I must have rented it or got a download or something last time. But it is actually free to Prime users at the moment. So I'll be watching that version. I'm the the dinosaur on the DVD, unfortunately. So I don't do the Prime. 
yeah, that's so all right. The only never thing, in sync anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, having said that as well, the other thing is um, Prime can be a bit hit of miss as to whether you're watching PAL or NTSC anyway. So there's a possibility that we might actually go at the same pace as you. Uh, and for you guys that are on Prime as well, you, you'll have some fun facts pop up, so you'll have to do that and, and you know shout them out as you go along. Yeah, yeah. The X-ray. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, X-ray is pretty decent as a as a little sort of offering on these things, although I don't use it very often. But sometimes you've got some fun facts, or it tells you, oh, who's that actor? You know. It's knowing who's in a scene sometimes as well. That's very handy. Mm. You just press one button, it's like, oh, that's the four people on the screen at the moment. Yeah, I yeah. think I used it when we did, um, what did we do? Training Places? Yes. Yeah, I seem to remember I used it for that, so yeah. that was quite good. Okay. Right, so um, for, those of, for, for those of you that aren't, um, well, I haven't said go yet, but uh, for, <laughs> those, for those of you that are... Um, not into this thing well i doubt you're still with us 25 minutes into the show or whatever it is but if you are still with us and you're like oh, i'm not sure we will be returning to our uh, dollars films next and then after that episode there'll be that sort of just chris becker and i hanging out for a couple of hours all right so chris count us in okay so on count on three so one two and three and oh, because Amazon Prime got I've got advert. I've got to skip an advert so yeah. I've, ju- I've just we hit are. skip I, 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 I don't know what anniversary logo right so hang on right the Paramount logo logo is forming now what was your advert Chris mine was um Jack Ryan yeah same here yeah so Paramount a Golf Western company's just come up so that's where we are and yeah seventy fifth anniversary which trains, is some... trains and automobiles and big letters yeah we haven't got that yet. Oh, shall I pause it? Yeah, Paramount Pictures presents. Let me know when it says New York City to do this before Thanksgiving. All right, will do. Now. Okay, so we've Thank got... Thank you. All right. Let's go. So, yeah, he's, he's at his soulless job. But he's got a nice watch, you know, so it's worth it. And this was, what, 87? So it 87, good. yeah. Oh gosh. Time Two days fun. before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, uh, that looks like some kind of advertising marketing company, isn't it? It's like it's mad. It, it's, it's Mad Men. He's basically. It's um. It, isn't it like those like big tall buildings? Uh, just by um. It's not far off um. Uh, what's the name? Um. The the big thing in the middle of New York that's that's like um. Times Square. I was going to say, you can't mean Times Square because I thought you'll never forget <laughs> the name for that. York. So I was thinking, does he mean Rockefeller? Does he mean the Pi? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the same same sort of area, isn't it? Uh, Rockefeller. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember sort of walking back and I was looking up thinking, oh, yeah, this, this, these are the buildings of Scrooge. Because <laughs> it's this big, well, it is, yeah, these, yeah. These big um, massive, like. It's all in that tradition, isn't it? It's like three ma- like, massive, like, tall build, like, sort of. Hmm. To be fair, I went to New York once in 2004, so my memory will be playing tricks on me. But uh, I've, I've got a strong image of it in my head, but the errors and inaccuracies do creep in. Yeah, like, well, likewise. I, mean, I think last time I went was mm. well over 10 years ago, so mm. um, I, I would like to go again. Um, but it'd be interesting to see, because I, I, I haven't seen this film in cool. eons. We're, cool, if you're happy to pay, Becca, we'll record our Christmas, we'll record our New Year's uh, review of the year at, uh, in now. Uh, yeah, let's go. All right, let's just hop on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be so cool to actually do it from a film location at one point. That would be really cool. 
We'll see. I know you can't see us, but should we ever make it onto show our faces on the YouTube? I'm sure we can do it. Um, but I think that's getting increasingly complicated these days. Mm. Um, yeah, but, uh, so I've not seen this film forever. I don't know how how does like how is New York and Chicago treated? How you know is it a character in the film? How is it portrayed? Uh, he's not in New York long enough. I mean, this gives you an idea of his life. He feels so lacking agency in his own life. He's stuck in he's stuck in that building till he's released. He's out on the street and he's just a small guy in a big city, really. Yeah. Um, that's I, 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 this would count as a cameo. Kevin Bacon was famous by this point. Yeah, I was like Kevin Bacon. I'm not um, sure what he was in this one. Yeah. Um, Mm. and it's just I mean that is true of New York in that it is just busier than you ever imagine it's going to be and yeah, I, you, I, don't know, like, I mean all you hear is fucking car times, horns like, honestly yeah it's just car horns constantly it's so busy the whole time I was there in a different year but a week after this I was there the weekend like 8 or 9 days after Thanksgiving basically oh really? yeah um, things that you, you would have like it, it would it would be so busy as well because of it's Thanksgiving everyone's trying to get home. Of course, yes, but I mean it, it is very very busy. Uh, uh, that's no surprise. I mean central London's the same. Yeah, but they're all very crazy. horn happy, so it's louder than London. It's louder than central London. Um, but really yeah, this, this is really all you see of New York, apart from the um, you do see the airport in a minute, and Chicago is largely represented by only two things: his home. And you do see the above air, uh, the, the the sort of metro line that they've oh, the got train. there, which everyone thinks New York has a version of and doesn't. Um, Spider-Man 2 has a lot to answer for. Um, and I've seen that in TV shows like ER and stuff like that. When they go home after shifts, they'd get on that train. But and like, so that doesn't really exist. <laughs> you can, no, no, the Chicago one does. I'm saying oh, Chicago, I've oh, the seen train. that because yeah, yeah, yeah. ER was set in Chicago, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been on that train. Yeah, so you know. Chicago, it's a very amazing city. Yeah. It also features in that sitcom. Sitcom in Chicago. I can't remember its name. Sorry, that's really bad. I need to scrap that. I don't know. Is it a relatively new sitcom? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Thing is, after all this, we'll find out you meant Cheers and it's Boston. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and he's just lost his cap. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the the sequence that was paid, I mean, it was quite a long bit, the, the Barry Norman show, because I think it went from him spotting Kevin Bacon and the fact that he was his competition for, for a cab to him chasing here. And I think it went to sort of BBC and the year, somewhere around here where he drops his bags. So we actually saw that was the first I saw of it. The surprise when I first saw the film is how straight Steve Martin is playing this. So that's a con was married with children. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> we did a tour of the city, yeah. and they're like, "Oh yes, this is where the because there's a big fountain," and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is where the opening of Married with Children was filmed." And I was like, "I can only remember the theme tune. That's why I had a mental blank." And I was like, no, it's not called Love and Marriage, it's called it, it, Married Children. My, my wife was saying to me a year or two ago, because I was showing her different sitcoms and films, and she was trying to tell me about a sitcom, an American sitcom they got in Romania. She, she had this slight doubt that it was American, but she was fairly sure. And of course she gave me the anglicised version of the Romanian name for the show. 
Oh. And after countless times, it turned out it was married with children. But it's, it's oh. called something completely different over there. And then it's a Romanian word for whatever that title is. Also, yeah, there's always there's always like the mm. the original title. I mean, I remember having this um, discussion with um, a Czech friend of a colleague of mine a while ago. Um, I just want like to interrupt a, to say his his boy looks like a clone of John Denver. Yeah, he he's, he's gonna grow. He's, he's gonna been, grow he's up to be John. He's been in lots of different things, hasn't yeah. he? He's been in loads yeah. of different things. Yeah. yeah, films have like they, they might have like the American title. I mean, like in Japan, films are kind of given different names, for example. But like there was a doc, there was a was there a store film or TV show about Dr. Kavorkin with um, Al Pacino. I seem to remember. Mm. Um, and like over here, it's called You Didn't Know Jack or something like that. Mm. But in, in like. Czech Republic or Poland or whatever it was called Doctor Death. So like there's always there's international titles and then there's like anglicised versions of or you know get titles well, it's like yours in France it translates as Teeth of the Sea. Well yeah, yeah. that's exactly that yeah there's a translation but yeah. like Bond films for example. Yeah. yeah that's a much better title definitely. The sea has teeth chomp chomp. But like, yeah Bond films for example have international titles or they might have yeah but you know. The translation in that language of that country of the English title, so yeah, so it's quite interesting. I, I, I find that really fascinating, actually, to be honest. Yeah, they 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 do they are playing a little bit against type here, both of them. Um, he's playing very straight and a bit uptight, and the Dale Griffiths character, he's a little bit slobby, but he's not not quite. No, he's more more one of a, he's more of a guy's guy most of the time. Not quite Uncle Buck. Yeah. He's kind of irritating here. He's got that silly laugh. It's kind of like Rolls, you know, say kind of what well, they sort of became known for, really, weren't they? Yeah. Well, Steve Martin was just so physical at his peak. And it's funny to watch him now because it's entertaining enough. I can't remember if it was on Netflix or Disney or whatever, but he does like a live show with Martin Short, who he obviously oh, right. does Only Murders in the Building with. I need to see that. And, and it's just, it's him. But it's just different because he's a lot older now. He used to be very clownish, and the jerk yeah, is a fantastic. Yeah, he used to be like a lot of physical comedy, didn't he? I was going to say he kind of went from transition from one of his early roles, where he, where he's like really it was really kind of like silly and over the top, yeah. and he and he kind of settled like in these kind of roles where he's like hmm. a bit more like the, the guy, yeah, the guy in the situation just getting fed up and frustrated. And just yeah. rinsing through everything. Yeah, I mean, even Bowfinger like, would fall into that to yeah. some degree. He's a he's a bit of a grifter, but he's getting frustrated like, trying to like do Bob something. Like the bride kind of thing, like yeah. that kind of like yeah. Yeah, and I remember, I think it was was it Parenthood or something. The Ron Howard mm. film came out the following year, and I was looking forward to it because it's a Steve Martin film, and all the trailers were him on the roof messing around with toy guns and stuff. And then I saw the film, and it was like heartwarming, if you like. That was its genre, if you like, but it was really quite boring. And in his 90s output until sort of Bowfinger was nowhere near as strong. I'm not sure if I've seen all of Father of the Bride. Mm. I remember yeah, the woman in it was film. Fit. There's quite a few of those films now, aren't there? I, I remember it, it made me cry as a kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the the kid who plays his son mm-hmm. plays the teenage son in Mr. Doubtfire. I was thinking, where have I seen him before? That's Well, that's six years after, so yeah. Yeah, that, I was just trying would, to think, where else have I seen Obviously, he's yeah, a teenage up. boy. But I was like, where have I seen him? Oh, yeah. There's all these films you don't get round to, or if you do, you get round to them much later. I mentioned The Breakfast Club. I don't think I saw Mrs. Doubtfire until about four years ago. What? 
Yeah, I've seen it. No, I know. No, but I, we talked about it at the time, I think, because I was like, I had not seen it. The other, what was the other one we talked about a lot? The Rocketeer. I only saw that about four or five years ago. I, t- I talked yeah, yeah, first two or three years of the show. I didn't talk recently, about it. So. Yeah, um, there's always a. That's why I haven't like in minute. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And it, it depends on kind of it depends on like your taste and depends on like your your age and that as well. Like, mm. I mean, things like that sort of is like very much like nineties fair sort of stuff. You know, I would have grown up there, but obviously and, you're a little bit older than myself. Yeah. Times that like. Perhaps just weren't on my radar at the time. The, the sweet spot of stuff I'm likely. Like I born. The, the sweet spot <laughs> for stuff I'm likely to have missed is probably between about 91, 92, and about 95, 96, 97, somewhere around there, because that's as you go into your mid to late teens, yeah. and you're getting much more films and art, yeah. And yeah, you, 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 you ain't you're, you ain't watching when you're in that state. You're not going to be watching Mrs. Doubtfire in Jurassic Park. You're not. No. Um, Unless you're me. <laughs> yeah, but again, you were a lot younger. That is rude. He's just taken his socks off on the plane. Yeah, that's he, yeah. That's great. I'd be like, right, I want to move. <laughs> oh, I can't stand smelly people more than almost anything in the world. That actor next to him, I recognise, wasn't he Bill, whatever he's called? He was in an episode of Star Trek, Probably. The Next Generation. Do you recognise that actor leaning on his shoulder? Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's. Oh, I can't think of his name. Bill something. He, yeah, no, he doesn't look familiar. I need to look that guy up. He lived to a really, really good age. Uh, yeah, Bill Irwin. That's it. Yeah, he's been in loads of stuff. There we go. When did he die, Chris? Have you got it? No, hang on. I'll pull it. Up. I'll try and pull it up. Because um... he did live to a great age, or he was one of those actors like. Wilfred Brimley, he died, older he, than he was. He, he died in 2010. Right oh, wow. Sorry, so then. Yeah, that's what I mean. This is 23 yeah, like years uh, before, and he looks and, about 80 there. And he was 96. Well, I wasn't oh, wow. far wrong then, was I? He was in his 70s there then. Yeah, he was in an early series of Star Trek The Next Generation on, oh. the, on the Enterprise crew, I think. He was there, in... are just, there are some of those actors who, as you say, like Wilfred Brimley, just kind of look the same. Well, I've never noticed him before. <laughs> He's got I... the same sort of look to him. Yeah, he was in Naked Gun, 33 and a third. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, Den- Dennis the Menace. The American one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, for Americans listening who don't know what we're talking about, you- you've got a character called Dennis the Menace, right? Which was made into a live-action film. The cartoon over here was just referred to as Dennis because we have a car- comic strip character from the 60s called Dennis, Dennis the, the Menace. Dennis the Menace. Yeah, and it's a different character. So kind of similar basically it's like basically a naughty kid but basically but, but very nice. very very different designs yeah definitely Beano the Beano you need to Bino look up yeah the CR version so what's everyone's favourite Steve Martin film then oh gosh uh, I would say The Jerk but I don't think the last sort of 20 minutes half an hour of that film is particularly good um, but that's the one I laughed about most I first saw it it came on BBC 2 Seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, can't remember which now. On BBC Two one night, and I was watching it in my room. And I went out for like a drink at the end of it, and my mother was in the kitchen, right? But I think she was getting a drink just before bed. It's probably about half past ten or something. Yeah, I, I imagine it was a nine o'clock film because there's adult content in it, and it was probably leading into news night or something. And I must have stood telling her the plot of the film for twenty minutes and all the funniest jokes because I laughed so hard at it. 
it's that one, The Man with Two Brains, All of Me and Bowfinger. They're probably my favourite four. In the tier below that, I'd put Roxanne, The Man with... Uh, oh, Roxanne, uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is like a film. Oh, that's a classic. Book. Yeah, that's probably one of my favourites, What are you actually. doing? Adjusting your breasts. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'd probably put... And you can't, you know, uh, only the classic footage can't be changed. So. Yeah. But there's three or four of his films that I struggle to separate but if I could only ever watch one of his again it would probably be The Jerk what about you guys? Although Bowfunger did make me laugh oh gosh. I've got a real soft spot Three Amigos yeah I yeah, saw that at the cinema same. I must admit I've not seen it since I saw it at the age of nearly 10 at the cinema not seen it since yeah the Three Amigos I've never played um, probably I this think, perhaps I think as well I think of a um, Steve Martin film with the possible obsession obs- no I, I, it's not even the exception of Bowfinger because he is the lead in that film Eddie Murphy's very much the second um, but I always think of films being he's the lead he's the first one we met here even though there's two of them mm. the Three Amigos of course there's three of them so I don't often think of it as a Steve Martin film I, th- I tend to think of it as a Chevy Chase film and that might be because when it came out I'd seen I'd just seen the sort of first two vacation films, so it was like the yeah. Chevy Chase film. But I've not seen it in well thirty five years. I think it. I think it's that, or um, I, I, I do actually like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. See, Again, I'd, for, like, I'd forgotten that's, that. That's, yeah, that would go up there. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is really funny. Both those films kind of have that balance between the two different Steve Martins. You know, the wacky yeah. and the more. And the more like sort of playing a straight man kind of kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it just shows like the diversity of his. If you look really. at Bowfinger, he's kind of a con man, and he is that in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. But then there mm. are scenes where he's got to play like stupid or dumb. Stupid, or like, dumb. Or... I'm trying, I was trying to think of a pleasant word for it, but yeah. let's not bother. Yeah, he plays an idiot, and um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Now, this is how this, you know, this film was set in the 80s. You don't use those machines anymore. That's pretty... Certainly over here in the UK, GDPR won't allow it. No, yeah, they used to use those sort of things where they drag a sort of thing across your card and it would yeah. imprint. They were really common at the time, but now... They were. Well, we didn't have any electronic card readers. It's funny, I moved, no. back to, I moved back to Plymouth in my mid to late 20s, something like that, and we were still... We had sort of cards, but we were still signing for them. And yeah. yet, chip and pin lasted for ages, and now it's all contactless, and it just all moves on. No, well, credit cards, and bank cards, and everything didn't really sort of become more commonplace till like maybe the late eighties, very early nineties, certainly over here. Yeah, my parents' generation got paid in cash. That was it. Mm. That was, it was really interesting. I don't know. I, I, what you have to pay a bill by going to the post office or something? Fuck that. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I just think what. But when you looked, and I don't know how you didn't have card machines, so you'd have to go into your bank to find out where your bank balance was. Yeah, you didn't have information at your fingertips. Like if you, you knew your bank balance and it was, say, 500 quid, that was it till you spent some more money, whereas now we look at our bank balance and we've forgotten the four direct debits that are coming out in the middle of the month. <laughs> Half the time we don't even check. We're like, oh, no, I just, I'm just going to look. Don't wanna... <laughs> it's like, it's the most easiest way to, you can check it at any time, but you just... Yeah, you still forget you, anything. You don't. Oh, so my, you, my bank balance. Look, do, I don't use think. my bank balance. I, years ago, because I was so bad with money, the final straw was, I wrote a check for something. That's how long ago it was. And I was up near an overdraft limit. I'd had an overdraft as a student. And um, this check didn't get paid in for about three months. I'd forgotten about it. 
and it took me over my overdraft limit and I was fined and everything else so I thought right get a loan pay off that overdraft pay off your credit card and have a fucking spreadsheet with what you spent on it my bank balance does not tell me how much money I've got I've got the spreadsheet does Although I I reconcile it now and again, because what you've got on the 5th of a month, I I try and get as much coming out at the start, but there are still things you bought mid-month and it renews and stuff. Vibrating bed, oh my gosh. I I think you're in There's an episode of The Simpsons where that We've just gone, Dell is just sort of taking his pillow out of his case. And Steve Martin's just put soap in his eyes or around his eyes and of course the water's cut out <laughs> and now should he's going to wipe it a little bit oh come on come on yeah it hasn't started i'll tell you he's just putting down the photo of his wife which does look a bit sort of stock photo doesn't it okay let me know when steve martin gets out of the shower and i'll play okay, it again now it's come on like either cold or hot i'm not really sure what no it's hot i think because you could stomach cold oh um and now he's put some money in the vibrating bed. <laughs> I, on, I remember. Hotels like this do appear to be just from films, but I have stayed in one like it. I remember years ago driving across the Canadian border into America. Ooh. There's another long story I won't bore you with, but I had tickets to go to the Canadian Grand Prix, just free practice. Wow. And they messed me about, and it was a horrible experience. And I went, sod it. And I drove down to Boston. But I stopped about halfway for a hotel, and it was totally like this. Yeah, some of those, I think, done something was it, similar. Was it cheap? Um, was yeah, it cheap, it was, was cheap, it? though. Yeah. Yeah, well, they are literally just like a bed for the night, aren't yeah, they? And yeah, that's it. Yeah. And this isn't and terrible. You can make do with it. But um, it's where he puts the... It's with the, the pants on his face and stuff. It's just grim. It's disgusting, isn't it? You just think, oh. I know. And they're not very clean, either. It's just that personal boundaries thing, and I don't know if this is true of all Americans as well, but certainly D- D- Neil or Neil Page almost plays a bit British in this. We're, we're big on our boundaries. It's, yeah. it's not just sharing a bed with a stranger. That can't be helped. That's just the way things are. But like their pants in the sink and not sharing out the towels and all that. It's just like, like this, is, this is all just kryptonite to a Brit. We hate this sort of thing. <laughs> kryptonite. Ethel. And then he, he, of course, he snores. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Oh, beer can. So the wet is the the beer is the, it's now wet. The bed. But they play off each other really well. I mean, that's why this film has endured through the decades. You know, and it's kind of one that we come back to. Type, not us here on the podcast, um, but you know, film fans and you know, fans of the genre come back to time and time again. You know, it's still, even though it's. A Thanksgiving film, or, you know, holiday film. It's not a sense of police certainly over here, but a Christmas film. It's still what you know. White remains hugely popular and still yeah, left to does. this day. So, I I would say <clears throat> I've still always thought at the end of the film where he takes pity on him and takes him home. I still think like he's still going to be fucking massively irritated by him for the couple of days he's with him. He's just doing him a favour. You know what I mean? Yeah, I nice. You don't imagine them building this amazing friendship that goes beyond what? this. Yeah, it's going to be like an, an hour into him inviting his own. He's already like, oh, can't wait to get, get, get this guy out. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to get rid of him. And, and I tell you what, in, in Britain, even millionaires can't afford that fucking house. No, oh my gosh. I was like, like these these films, kind of like like Home Alone or like Father of the Bride or um, Don't Fire, anything like that. Any sort of, I've never yeah. seen these, you know, after American films in the <coughs> yeah. 80s, early 90s. Yeah, you always live um, in unrealistic or, houses. 
Is it just like, massive? Even like some like Fresh Prince. Um, or, or, at least or, in or Fresh Prince, like they sort of like sitcoms and things like that. Um, at least in Fresh Prince, they are actually like like wealthy. They are like no, exactly. But they all you know just that's how, in other sort of like sitcoms certainly of like of like you know on Disney Channel and that sort of thing. Um, aimed at teens, you know, mm. so my generation sort of growing up in the 90s, just yeah. they all had these massive houses. I mean, obviously, oh, it depends God. where you live. I mean, I, I know someone, does, exactly. I, I spent some time in Oklahoma over there, for example, and they could get houses three times the size of what we get here for similar money. Yeah. And that well, would have only grown because in the, seven, well. in the seven or eight years since then, our economy's got far, far worse, far, far faster. Mm. And But it's things like, and, and the person I knew over there would say things like, well, yeah, that house was built in 96, so it's smaller. So, A, they'd consider 96 an older house. And, B, yeah. houses are getting bigger. Here, houses are getting smaller. It's going the other way. Yeah. The square footage of my house would be equivalent to, like, a couple of bedroom flat that I stayed in over there. Well, it's, it's crazy, um, isn't it? It's crazy. But, but the same sort of thing, if you, like, say, go, um, it's like, 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 in sitcoms in like in the major cities you wouldn't be able yeah, to get a big house at all. oh yeah no of course yeah particularly like in new york and then like they're all like this lush and it's like you know people in, and, and, and it involves like a character who's like struggling to get a job but you still manage to learn, like live in manhattan in this big plush like <laughs> like like apartment building yeah. you're thinking like no fucking way <laughs> oh no But then, I don't know. I mean, whatever your views on a show like Friends, would anyone really have watched it if they were living in a fucking shoebox? No. You know? But we, we've got it in London. Show, yeah, London, you get the odd flat where it's like, you know, fucking six feet wide or something. You know? Micro houses. But the thing is, right, Dale's looks very um, hurt here. And that sort of makes you feel some sympathy but if you had no reaction shots of him you'd actually completely sympathize with neil because this guy is fucking irritating at this point a bit of a pain but they learn to love each other it's all right even physically <laughs> those aren't pillows <laughs> that's not a pillow i've never known if that means his hands between his testicles or just between his legs <laughs> i do not know I, I always assumed it meant just between his legs between two pillows Yeah, I, I do think yeah, John Candy does a great job here of being like. Obviously, he's playing up like the irritating kind of buffoon kind of guy. But now he looks like a hurt child. He's just like, I, I can't well, believe how cruel he, you've just been he, to me. He, yeah, he does have this like naive kind of, uh, but also like innocence. Like he is just. He there's, there's something like a bit wholesome. He's just oblivious to, to like. To how annoying he is, and that, and, that, and it, there's something kind of real to how he sort of portrays that. Yeah, you know what I mean? definitely. He can, he can believe there's people like who like they like him. You know, you sometimes get that with like salesmen and that though. Mm. I mean, they, they they made that a plot point. Of course, I'm not talking about real life. I'm just talking about a plot. When they brought David Brent back from the British version of The Office, or the original version, when they brought him back in Life on the Road, it was actually dropped by a, the, the, one of the other salesmen that the, the customers absolutely love him. And it's because he's out there being like gregarious and trying to get enjoyment out of life. Mm. 
And the thing is as well, what puts this into context, I'm not trying to be too heavy about what is a comedy, but at the end of the film where you find out what he's been doing for years, he's been pretty much on his own, hasn't he? Mm. he he's not had contact. He, you know, he's got all these ticks that his wife probably put up with because she loved him. Or perhaps they've got worse because you do get strange when you're on your own a long time. You do start picking up ways. I, I don't even know how to go into it's more like depth than that. It's like getting louder, isn't it? You, you, you just, get I, I just think, I know in my case I had to relearn how to live with someone, whereas it was quite natural once upon a time. And and he, if he's not used to being around people, he's probably not like knowing he, of course he puts the pants in the sink he's just staying in rooms by himself yeah yeah and that's probably why he, he's, he's just he's just oblivious to it he's just not used to it but no, he's got to relearn that skill if he'd have travelled with anyone else he wouldn't have had half the problems he's having I mean he, mm. he just continues to screw everything up really badly we're coming up to the gif I used uh, to promote this show um, oh yeah. Oh, I forgot they got stone. They got uh, burgled here. I forgot this. Yeah, the guy's just rifling through what looks like Dell's wallet. Um, no, so that's where we are on the film. Uh, we don't even really. Where did they go? Where did they end up landing? They couldn't land at O'Hare, could they? Where did they land? Did they? I can't remember. I don't even remember where they are now. What's the thing where we're talking over it? Not really. <laughs> not really. Uh, I mean, look at that. It, it, he's got cigarettes there and he's been eating constantly. Wichita. They're Wichita. Wichita at the moment. Okay. I need to get my bearings because obviously I know of Wichita but I've got to place it relative to everything else hmm. Kansas so they went nowhere near it really Wichita oh. linesman okay I say not that near it. It's reasonably near, I suppose. Let's look up there and just check how far close they are. Oh, not uh, Illinois, not fucking Ohio. What am I thinking of? It's a couple of states apart. Yeah, it's massive, great big houses. I love that. See that bears came. How about them bears? The, the funny thing is, it, it's one, it's a type of comedy that is now seemed the way they've done it here because they're relative strangers who've just shared a bed. You would probably still get away with it, but I've heard it said about Friends and other things like that, in a way that I don't think you'd write it in a sitcom now. The gay panic, the we mustn't look yeah, gay. You- the last yeah. new thing I saw it in, yeah, as in really most recent, today, was Blades of Glory, the Will Ferrell film, where two men had to dance together, and it was all like, oh my god, his penis is quite near his face when they dance and stuff. Um, 
I'm about as liberal as they come, but it's a sort of, I don't think it's a bad humour at all. I think it's quite funny to see relatively alpha males still panicking. The joke is on them, not us. Um, When they get up and they're like, see the Bears game and putting their voice deeper, I I don't see anything unacceptable about that. It's funny. Yeah, something like that today, it might not, you know, might not appear today, but that was just how it was at the time. John Candy's own father died in his 30s of a heart attack. It ran in the family and he was a heavy smoker. I'm just noticing watching him smoke in there and I'm just thinking like... Oh with, with what we know now, it was awful, and it, the medical profession used to beg him to lose weight. And it was a mixture. It was a mixture of he struggled too, but on top of that, I think there was a bit of well, I'm a I'm a big comedian. I have to stay big. Because I remember in Cheers, George Went was required to stay a certain weight. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, really they, you know, he couldn't have come back weighing like you know, £170 or something. I suppose they have an image to maintain, literally. Yeah. But yeah, he dropped dead. He was making, I don't know, what what was he making? Was he making Canadian bacon? I can't remember what he was making when he died. Yeah. No, Wagons East he was making. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah that was the last thing. That must have been the last thing came. It, it was weird because I remember like, watching Cool Runnings and he had already died. Yeah, yes. oh my gosh. Yeah, because he died in something like March 94. And I think Cool Runnings may have been a summer film that year. Mm. Let's have a look. Cool Runnings is a pretty decent film, but I've only it, seen yeah, it once. Yeah, it's a good film from what I remember. I have only seen it once. I expect it will probably be on Disney Plus. Well, Other it... streaming platforms are available. Uh, it's United States release date was for October the first ninety three, so that's before, while he was still alive. Oh, okay. But so it might come out, it might, st- still yeah. in a different era. We may have got it months later. Who knows? Let's yeah. have a look. I'm gonna have yeah, a look on like IMDb. Dot com forward slash cool runnings. There's normally a big list of release dates on the IMDb pages. It doesn't help how cold it looks. You know what I mean? They're sat out just on their cases and just freezing. Yeah. Oh my god, it's Dylan Baker. Uh, he hasn't arrived yet, he's about to. Dylan okay, yeah, Baker? Well done. He's like I, one of those great character actors who pops I, up in I, I've, I've, I've never put it together. Uh, Dylan Baker was um, in the original Tobey Maguire films and he would have become Doc Ock if he'd stayed in it. Uh-huh. He was Kurt Connors in the in the you know the one with the one arm. I don't mm. know what else he's been in, to be fair, but... Um, no, you mean the lizard. He, oh, he the lizard. What did I he say? Duck Ock. Oh, that's ridiculous. No, I did mean the lizard. I was picturing the lizard as well. Yeah, oh yeah, because he got recovered. All right. Near, well, are they, are they Chris, it's entirely possible because the UK release date of Cool Runnings was the 25th of February, not a leap year, so only three days before the end of the month, end of February, and he died on March the 4th. Oh, no. So unless you saw it in its opening week, he was already yeah, I, dead. I, yeah, I saw it at the cinema. Yeah, but literally, it came out one week to the day yeah, until he died. Yeah, when he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. I might be, yeah. <laughs> uh, Wagons, he said, cause of death. Heart attack in his sleep, that's one. Oh, he, gosh. And he binge eat when he was struggling. He weighed in excess of 300 pounds at some point. I don't know how tall he was. He had a strong family history of it, although he was unaware of his genetic risk. 
He smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, obesity, drank heavy, heavy alcohol, and he did use cocaine occasionally. Uh, and he dieted and exercised with trainers because of his family history, but nothing obviously took. He was very big when he did Wagon's East. I've never seen Wagon's East. I think the film bombed. Oh, it's got Richard Lewis in it, you know, the guy who's in um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm. Oh, that guy. I, I, I was thinking of him as, um, as uh, uh, Prince John in um, What Would Men in Tights. Yeah, that's true. I, I think we've I've had this conversation before. I'm not convinced I've seen many types. <laughs> I still don't think I've seen it. <laughs> but um, that's my favourite scenes coming up, where they're like all frozen and the dog's frozen as well. Yeah, the whole <laughs> spitting and thing is horrible. Especially because we've had that cold snap recently here in the UK. That's kind of how we feel a little bit. Yeah. Oh, it's been really cold here. We've just uh, there's a worldwide thing. I don't know what it's how it's hitting in the United States because obviously you've got more of your own sort of oil and gas, but our electricity and gas bills have gone up like about fivefold, and they're about they're, yeah, they're about to go up again. Board, really. We are all struggling, so we've gone into the winter, and official government advice is to keep your rooms at 19 degrees in Celsius, of course, with how we deal with it here. So that would be something like 68, uh, I imagine, something like that. And some suppliers um, are paying, uh, and are paying and their we, customers and, 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 and to electricity certain points in but the day. people can't afford it. It's just like people cannot afford it. Um, yeah, Ira Newborn did the music for this film. This is his, his go-to person, and he did, did do the Naked Gun films as well. Ace oh, Ventura. Okay. And his last film was Basketball. You know what? I never made that connection. Yeah. Oh, Basketball, though. Um, basketball did make me laugh. I've only seen it once, but it, it, it made me laugh. It really did. Um, what was the... Orgasmo, I didn't find funny, but Basketball, I did. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, I didn't find it very funny, but I, I saw it... I, I'd not long moved back to I think it was South Park and then that, and then... I think it was... Yeah. One, I had a blockbuster around the corner, and I, I did rent Basketball. I'm, I know I did. Hmm. The cinematographer of this also did Flashdance Splash. Best oh. defence, we've talked about that before. Uh-huh. Uh, Cocoon, Star Trek for the Voyage Home, she's having oh. a baby. Point Break. Oh, wow. Men, uh, Get Shorty, Men in Black. That's why it looks so good. Now, let's go to the cast it, now. It, it is amazing to think, like, sort of, the people who shot, like, all these varied amount of films, that you wouldn't have known it. Mm. It's incredible, isn't it? It is yeah, incredible. But then, you know, there are certain artists out there who are meant to have a recognisable style and some who aren't. Mm. You know what I mean? And cinematographers should be serving who they're working more than anything else. Yeah, it else. depends on the director, I think. Dylan Baker, just looking at his films, um, Road to Perdition, Sam Reed. Yeah, uh, he's Sam got he's a real variety. That's, that's a good film. Happiness I've not seen. 13 Days is a really good film. It's about the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, I think I've, I've heard it, but sadly I haven't I've, seen I've it. I've got a feeling like Kevin Costner's in that one. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really good. Mm, yeah. Done a lot of theatre. He was on Murder One, the Stephen Botchko TV show. CSI, The West Wing. I don't remember him on The West Wing, but then he might have only appeared in a couple of things. What else? Planes, Trains and Automobiles. This was his second film. His first film was Ishtar. Oh, Ishtar? Ishtar. Yeah. Ishtar. Yeah, that is a notorious film. His name is. I can't pronounce. Ishtar. Uh, it's probably worth seeing for the... Yeah. Yeah. 
just the fact you've seen it. He's been in some good films. He was in Kinsey, the uh, Liam Neeson film, The Matador. Oh, gosh. Uh, obviously, we know about the Spider-Man films. Revolutionary Roads. Obviously, Sam Mendes likes working with him. Anchorman 2. Don't remember him in that. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't. Hmm. Uh, he had a slight cameo role. Who's this? Who are you talking about? Dylan Baker. Oh, okay. He's, got a bit, he's popped up in very lots of different things. Uh, Layla Robbins, the one who plays his wife, is familiar to me, but I don't know um, what I've seen her in. She was in a film in 1995 called Live Nude Girls, but I, I'd only watch it for the article. <laughs> okay. I'd only watch it for the articles, of course. Was that on Channel 4 late at night? She was in A Call to Spy a couple of years ago. I reviewed that for Set the Tape. I reviewed that film. I don't remember oh, right. I much about it. it now. She was in Homeland. As a US ambassador, a lot of theatre. <laughs> this is awful, that Trump. Do you know, I, it makes me think of. Uh, I thought of this film when I went to see Stan and Ollie, and they mm-hmm. were they were bringing that. They were at the, one of the British train stations, and they carried what a trunk very like that up all these steps. Oh and, yeah. And then dropped it, and and Stan is like, "Do we need it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Burley Owen is man on plane. I thought that was a really strange sort of, sort of little role for him. Uh, well known uh, actor by then. But around these sort of times, he kept having like sort of little roles. Yeah. Here and there. I'm literally looking to see what I know. Oh, this is so funny where he sings, um, where where he gets caught looking at that couple. And, and it's Dell's fault. He goes, look at this. He's minding his own business. And Dell goes, look <laughs> at that just as he's caught. Um, and he doesn't want to look, but he can't help it now. And then he sings a song and that doesn't go down well. And then Dell sings and he's a man of the people. He sings the Flintstones and it goes really well. <laughs> <laughs> conductor in the Kiko so he was the conductor at the Oscar ceremony Bill Owen oh. in that film the film's not as good as the first two but the, the Oscars set piece at the end is funny who did he play in Christ he's done a lot of stuff Bill Owen but then he was around a long time I'm still waiting for Moonlighting to come to TV talking of them that's another one sadly I'd never seen it's on my list and it's remember me now, that's but... it I was trying to place what episode of the next generation he was in and he was in the episode where something happens to Beverly where everyone in the crew is like disappearing and only she's noticing like it's 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 a crew of a thousand people or something and then it's not it's 200 and something and like Worf disappears and no one's ever heard of him and then like this doctor who's coming to visit her disappears as well and it's him Seinfeld Lois and Clark Jesus he did a lot of stuff yeah yeah but that's just relatively modern you go back to the 60s and find him in Gunsmoke and stuff like that St. Louis so they're in Missouri now And this is pretty cool. They're short of money, so he just sells everything. Like he just goes and sells a load of like shower rings as earrings. 
And he well, sold... it was the 80s, you know. It was the 1980s. Yeah. It's a bit of social satire in it, because largely he's selling it to quite vapid women. These are filled with helium. Daryl Strawberry earring. I mean, wasn't Daryl Strawberry a baseball player? Yeah, he yeah. was in an episode of The Simpsons as he well. He was, one with Ken Griffey Jr. That's the, only, <laughs> that's the only reason me and Beckham could name any fucking baseball players apart from <laughs> Babe Ruth. They were all, a load yeah, of them were in an episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, and yeah surname of Strawberry and and, 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 this, and the first name of Babe. The reason why we know. Yeah, Babe Ruth, Daryl <laughs> Strawberry, yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. We don't remember most of the rest of them. Who else? <laughs> Baseball has no cultural footprint in this country at all. You'll find people who watch NFL, not a lot of them, but comparatively, but there are fans of it. I'm friends with people who are fans of it. The Super Bowl will get a certain number of people staying up to watch it. It's got a fan base, but it's small. Baseball, hardly at all. I, I, I can't think of anyone I have ever spoken to who watches well, it's baseball. Just, it's, just, it's just rounders, though, isn't it? Rounders, Well, they throw the ball under the like, what? Rounders. You what, mate? It's like basketball. We have a national basketball league here, and it has, you know, but it, it, it's kind of niche. And some people watch NBA, but baseball, for some reason, just has no footprint here at all, mm. or relatively none. Yeah, and, NFL very, and very NBA. Niche. I'm sure there is a following, but it's very, well, it's very like niche. it's like cricket. I mean, cricket's got like like no cultural relevance. In the no, there's like well. eleven countries that play it, or something like that. Twelve, yeah. thirteen, somewhere in that range. Basically, cricket is massive in like Pakistan, India, Australia, New Zealand, and then very big in a few other places like well, the West Indies here, but again, only England. Um, where else? Sri Lanka. There aren't many. There really aren't many. Um, the biggest problem because we're not exposed to many of the sports it's a bit like cricket people will watch 10 minutes of cricket and go I don't get that at all and the, and the bowler will finish like his over his six balls and then the figures will come up and it will be OMRW or something with numbers under it so people don't really know what they're looking at and it was a bit of a revelation to me with US football that like it's really simple not all of the positions in plays are don't understand most of those but the basic no, principle but the basics of what you're trying to achieve is really really straightforward like with American football I'm, I'm not a big fan of the whole stop start stop start no, aspect to it no but basketball I think a lot of Americans will watch what they know as soccer and go well there's not enough goals but basketball has the opposite problem there's way too much scoring in, yeah, it, in it to to be of any interest. They run up one end and they score, and then they run up the other end and then they score, and then they run up the other end and miss, and so on. And that's <laughs> that. We don't want that. We want them to be a rare thing of beauty. We want the tension. Yeah. And you have to watch rugby where you have to score a try. So. Well, I did watch. I, I literally watched one Super Bowl, but if I tell you the halftime act was Gloria Estefan, it will tell you it was a while ago. Oh gosh. That was a long time ago. The following year, the halftime act was Michael Jackson. Oh, wow, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't uh, Roseanne Barr do one and upset a lot of people? Oh, uh, she sang well, the probably. national anthem off-key and thought, yeah, thought that was funny. Quite a few people. Well, they're a bit funny about their flags and anthems, and I'm not really critiquing it. I'm just saying we're not the same here. But if someone did that to our anthem, we'd be a mixture of bemused 
laughing at the stupidity of it and probably thinking that wasn't actually that funny but i suppose i have laughed a bit yeah, we're just a bit offended. That's it. We wouldn't be going eight. We, 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 no, we laugh, are, but for the wrong reasons. We'd be laughing at like they they honestly think that's a comedy bit, but we're not precious about our flags. I couldn't believe it and went into the United States. How many flags you've got? It's a big thing. No, they are incredibly here. patriotic. Yeah, I mean, nothing it's... wrong with that. No, not at all. It's just different here. If I see like a Union Jack flag hanging from so- a pole outside someone's house, I just assume a racist lives there. And, and to be fair, that is probably a fair assumption. The only time you sort of see yeah. it really is, football like for example, you'll see it a lot during um, King's coronation coming up yeah, next, and uh, next May. And stuff, yeah. um, obviously, the World Cup we've had England playing yeah, or yeah, any kind different. of during the Olympics or any kind of sporting event. Um, maybe this, St George's Day, perhaps. But back to the that, back to the film. Right, Neil has suddenly fucking lost it because like he's got there and his car's not there. We've just seen him throwing the ticket away, but haven't really noticed it. He's now walking back on quite a dangerous piece of road. Now he's going to slide down some snow and ice. Oh, that's so funny. So he's going to get back in a bit of a state. He's been taken to, obviously, the furthest fucking car parking area away from the airport. So he's got hell of a walk back. Not pedestrian friendly. You do find that in some cities in the States as well. It's just not built for not having a car. Um, Some of them. His hat's just been run over. And then he absolutely loses it with the woman. And that is probably the funniest bit of the film. It's hilarious. She does kind of bear the brunt of most of his anger. Yeah. But it's Considering quite... this is a 15 as well, there's quite a... obviously it's an F-bomb, but there's quite know. a lot of F-bombs I don't in this I don't know how many you're allowed in a 15. I know in like no. a 12 it's, it's I think they're one. all concentrated in this one scene. I don't even get the logic of it. That, is it? that, that, it... that fall will break something. <laughs> he, 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 yeah, he would have broken some of that. Yeah, ball. he would have. Yeah, he would have definitely. That's mm. no, very, very, very well played. Very. He went great. Very, very, he went. Done. He went what white? Very young, Chris. I think he's younger than either of us here. Mm. Well, he might just be. He might just be about your age now. He didn't become. It's quite a nice story with him because obviously he had a marriage fail in the early nineties, didn't he, to Victoria Tennant, <laughs> who's in LA story. But he found love a lot later and he became a father in his mid-sixties. He is a father now. This woman is so fucking irritating as well. And she's got that cheesy customer service voice. And here he goes, you can start off your fucking rosy fucking cheeks. (laughs) A fucking dancer, a fucking Toyota, a fucking master. I don't care for the way you're speaking. Yeah, but he's finally cracked, and actually, you don't see this much from Steve Martin in any of his films. The Man with Two. Have you both seen The Man with Two Brains? No, I haven't. Oh, it's really funny. I don't think I have either, unfortunately. Right, The Man with Two Brains. He's widowed. Right, his wife dies before the events of the film, and he's a brain surgeon. But he's like an absolute genius brain surgeon. He's 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 patented a new screw top technique where you like literally unscrew the top of their head, do brain surgery and screw it up again. And this woman at the start of the film, played by Kathleen Turner, is taunting her much older husband. Now, I'm not sure if it's the same guy because I haven't seen it for a long time. But he reminds me of the guy in the cannibal run, the one who's trying to get the cannibal run stopped the grey-haired one in that film. Um, 
the one who's like it's a titty turnout terrific turnout that guy um and she gets hit by a car right she's obviously like an absolute bitch and he performs brain surgery on her and falls in love with her and and they get married and she is an absolute bitch to him right and there's some really funny set pieces i won't spoil there's one with him breaking glass which i won't spoil but it's really funny and then he falls in love with a brain in a jar that only he can communicate with and that's voiced by sissy spacek Oh, wow. And it just goes from there. It's got the one who was in Titanic, who died not that long ago. Um, he was also in Star Trek episodes. Who died recently? He was in Star Trek Six as well. Oh, yeah, so he lost quite a few people recently. Who's the guy who's in... He, he's one of... Um, he's the one who handcuffs cuffs Leo. He works oh, with Billy guy. Zane. Okay, I think I know who you oh, mean. Oh, David Warner. Yeah, he's in it. as yeah, the, As this... Um, and basically, a load of women are getting killed, but they're getting killed for their brains by David Warner's character, it turns out. And he falls in love with one of the brains. And it's just really funny. And he's, like, trying to find a body to put this brain in. So he goes up to, like, a prostitute and says, can I see a little bit more? And she just opens her coat and she's naked. But she talks like that! So he doesn't want to be with her. And it's just a really, really madcap screwball film. Um, all of me is. Have you seen all of me? Either of you? Um, no, I haven't. Right, that's where half his body gets taken over by Lily Tomlin. Oh God! Okay. So it it's the ultimate physical performance because he's only controlling half of his body. Brilliant. She's controlling the over half, and he's trying to get turned on to do something so, with a woman, sorry, and, it's, and his his it brain sounds very much like Carl Pilkson pitch. It, it is the it is the love of two brains, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he's gone with Steve Steve Warren and <laughs> Re- 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 Rebecca de Tomlin. Yeah, um, Victoria Tennant's in that film. I think that's where they met. So that that's like his golden era. The Jerk was seventy nine. Okay. All of me's eighty four. Roxanne is eighty six, but it's a slightly less physical performance. Mm-hmm. He's already sort of transitioning away. It's that first four years. the The great one is Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. It's like film noir, but he'll pick up the phone and they're yeah, I've seen that bit. They'll intercut a scene from another film, so he's chatting with Humphrey Bogart. And, and obviously those like scenes that. can't be changed. Yeah. No, I think that's such, it's really cleverly done. Oh, this is where he fucks the seat. But yeah, we do have people without getting too heavy. We got, we've always got people who can't afford at any price there are people who can't afford things but there are people who really can't afford to eat their homes at the moment and we've just had a massive cold snap by British standards I tried to get off the estate last Saturday and it was really tough I was due to go and see Avatar and I missed the first screening got there for the second one was due at a football match afterwards didn't know until I came out of the cinema whether the game was still on because it had a last minute pitch inspection and then I had to like get a bus and basically sprint in there and I missed like three minutes of the game but getting off the estate, I, I walked out of the door and immediately fell over. It was just like she. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. And um, my wife took a video, again, not to make fun of her. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> but this car tried to get off our road. Couldn't. The woman had obviously got out of her passenger seat. She was obviously being driven by her husband or whatever. And she couldn't stand up. So my wife came back in and said, this is how bad it is. And it was this woman crawling on her hands and feet, her, her hands and knees across the road. Oh, so I see. Because she couldn't stand. 
Um, and then the road was closed because of, of an accident. So the bus I got went a circuitous route. And I ended up in like the 11 o'clock IMAX screening, so it was all right. No, it's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it, with the weather, especially with the weather as well. Did you have any snow down where you are? Or? No, it was, uh, yes, we had a little bit, but it was mainly no. ice. Chris, did you have any all the way up in Manchester? Uh, it was a smattering, but it wasn't like a lot, really. No, we just had like a really heavy frost. I think maybe we had like a, a little, it was quite wet, a little bit of snow, but it didn't settle and it's melted now, obviously. Yeah, no, it was just sheet ice. <clears throat> you know, it, it rained it rained and then froze but you could actually see it you'd look across it and it would look like a skating rink you don't often see that it's normally like patches of black ice but it was just sheer and I thought well I'll be able to walk slowly plenty of grip but there was just it's the equivalent of aquaplaning you, but you, none of your foot is in contact with the actual road so you just slip but eventually my wife could get off the estate and she got me up to a bus stop so I could get a bus into the, the game and all the rest of it I'm glad you got there safely. I got yeah, I got there about ten minutes through the adverts and then oh, three hours and ten minutes of Avatar: The Way of Water, with its variable frame rate. Yes. So, would you recommend seeing it in like the IMAX, or would you, or, yes. or would you like going yes. in a standard? No, I would see it in the IMAX. I mean, I've only been in IMAX once or twice because we hadn't, ha- we haven't had, we've had it about three years now. But I used to go to a different cinema till fairly recently. Mm. I went into the IMAX for the Batman earlier in this year. So, it's, oh, I've been in there. I went in there for a re-release of Avatar in September because I thought let's see that in IMAX and see, you know, remind myself of what 3D was like. Cause I haven't seen it that way since 2009, and it was incredibly immersive. Bear in mind, 3D IMAX is taller, so it's more immersive than going and watching it in a normal 3D screen. The variable frame rate, what they're doing is they're running the projector at 48 frames per, sec- per, per second, but when they want it to be 24, they just show each image twice. Cameron was interviewed on this. And unlike The Hobbit, the high frame rate looks fine. The big problem is he's constantly sw- swapping between the two. It must have been upwards of 100 times we were getting like a, a format switch even within individual scenes and what it does is slightly both formats are fine but the problem is when you switch from 48 to 24 suddenly it looks a bit jerky because you've just had it smoother Mm -hmm. and when you when you go from 24 to 48 suddenly looks kind of hyper real but your brain does adapt quite quickly um it's more i can't imagine particularly with the size of the screen I wasn't my my peripheral vision wasn't being drawn to anything outside of it. So when we were underwater and so on, it was that much more immersive. I saw Avatar in 2009, didn't like it, saw it 3D. Everyone was raving about the 3D and I was like it was fine. Well, I don't see the fuss. But over the years, the way it's stored in my memory and Cameron has talked about this well, it has had an effect. There was something a bit more immersive about it and I've talked about that on this show before that it's it is about immersion it's not about the wow effect it isn't about arrows coming out of the screen at you or anything and he understands that better than anyone and so i would recommend the imax definitely as a first viewing because i cannot see how a 2d screening would be as immersive and whether you like hate or just tolerate the film if it's ever likely you're going to see it again you've got a better chance at having immersion in it on a 2D home screen if you have had the proper 3D IMAX immersion in the first place. 
because it's already stored in the brain the way it was meant to. I'm not a big advocate of 3D. I'm not a 3D detractor either, but it was just a fucking cash grab after Avatar, everything just being retrofitted. The you only still get 30% light loss. Um, you get some, but it's not that much because they use laser now rather than... Oh, so there's maybe 10% light loss. Yeah, there, there's something, but it's not... It used to be like wearing sunglasses. It's not quite that anymore, but if you pull the glasses forward, it's very slightly brighter. Um, but you forget that quite quickly. I've never been a th- big 3D advocate. I, the, the only other film outside of an animation that ever really did it for me was Life of Pi. Because I've always felt for a 3D effect, you need that that plane. It works very well on water. It works very well in corridors and things like that because you've got an idea of the depth. Everyone talked about it for that for that space film with George Clooney, Gravity, but there there was no frame of reference, so it didn't actually do anything for me. Um, it's purely about immersion, and I felt very immersed in that world, such that the 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 extreme length of the film wasn't bothering me until the final action sequence really i was quite happy hanging out there and i think that's part of what he's trying to achieve so if you like i would say if you liked avatar in any format and so that there is a shot that you might watch it more than once in your life even get it the right way the first time and i would say that about virtually no other film i i don't think I don't think I can't think of a film with the possible exception of Life of Pi and maybe some animated ones where I've thought it mattered. You know, even when it was shot in 3D, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't give you anything else, but he is trying to immerse you in a in a different world. So it it I think it's pro- the, I could speak for IMAX on a lot of things, but I think with this I would say yes the IMAX and uh, yes the 3D but yes the IMAX 3D. Definitely. Because it's the only way you're going to get the variable frame rate as well. And, and I was saying to Becca before we came on air, because she was online with us a little bit before Chris, I, I said, because um, a lot of people used to say 3D gave them headaches. Well, if you get headaches off 3D, you get headaches off 3D. I don't know if this will be any different. But what I was keen to, keen to stress was that the switching of frame rate doesn't, irritate your eyes or give you a headache or anything it's just that it's noticeable that's all but it's worth experiencing just to see what you think of it because when the hobbit came out in in a high frame rate certainly the first one he, he fixed it a bit on the sequels yeah that caused quite a few uh, it looked like, dreadful quite a criticism around it wasn't there i think because when that came out none of the set design or shot design took it into account so bag end just looked like movie sets and when they went outside it looked like a bbc costume drama well, James Cameron's got a bit con- bit more control of this because it's all designed in CG. It is effectively an animated film. But he, he's ma- managed to make it work. There is a hyper-reality to it, but it's largely because you've just switched from 24 frames per second. Um, as the action sequences go on and you realise you're, you're making much better sense of it than had there been a load of blur there, it, it's kind of nice. I kind of liked it. But... It's, he's used it as a tool, not a format, and that's his own words. He said it's a tool, not a format, and I agree with him. But the logical extension of that is you're flicking between the two, and I'm not quite sure of the logic of that. What I will say though is it's the first time I've ever seen it—a variable frame rate. So were it to become a common thing, it, I might be fine with it. If they could find a way to incorporate it into home technology, I might be fine with it. 
Have either of you seen it yet? No, I've not seen it yet. I think we all found the first one a bit ordinary, didn't we? I, I. Can you remember it? Can you remember any of the characters? Yeah, I mean, I started. I started rewatching it yes last night. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus at the moment. Yeah. Um, It's one you can like break into chunks, I think. And. And I just wasn't like that. I I remember like enjoying it at the time as a big event movie. Mm. Um, and Chris, did you did you watch it with Neve? Um, <laughs> She's a bit too uh, young. Partly. The dialogue's yeah. a bit basic for Neve. <laughs> <laughs> She's far too advanced, bless her. <laughs> no, I mean, well, 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 she was there for 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 most of the that partial viewing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I don't think she was watching it, to be mm. fair. No. <laughs> yeah, a bit too young, Bethel. I mean, I, I, as I say, I don't normally cross-promote my stuff, but I've reviewed it on Set the Tape, the newer one. So go and have a look at it there, because I do put some thoughts on the first film there. And I, I once you understand James Cameron's faults and, and accept them, um, you'll have a better time. He doesn't write dialogue very well. His characters tend to be blue-collar, slightly meatheadish. He has written good females in the past, for example, but his, his male characters, they're always given a game, a name you can imagine a Marine having. Um, and brevity has become lost to him over the years. So it, his stories are a little bit basic, but he does do spectacle with heart. And if you go in knowing what he is, you know, I mean, think of it, the first film, the head of the company, Giovanni Rabisi, he's putting, he's literally putting. That's such a cliche for a, like a, a billionaire boss. You know, mm. Quaritch's character, total cliche. Fucking Sully's character, complete meathead. Uh, you know, it wasn't a great film, but it was a nice environment. What he's done in the new film, I think it's a better written film. I still think he's not a great dialogue writer, but he's wisely gone to a new environment. You do see, you do still see the forests of Pandora, but you see the more sort of South Pacific kind of equivalent as well. And that's good. Sort of water. Well, you don't you don't necessarily want three hours and ten minutes of the same forest, do you? No. Um, so that freshens it up. The new Navi do look different. They've evolved slightly different. It's akin to different races on this country. You go to Finland, everyone's white, you know, pasty with white hair, you know, blonde hair. You go to, you know, parts of Africa, they're very, very, very dark. Same principle. They're they're very they they're they're like a turquoise colour. They've got webbed hands, meteor forearms, and meteor tails because they've evolved to be quick in water. Um, and it just freshens it up a little bit. The new characters, the kids in it, are pretty good. Kids actors can be hit and miss. I quite liked them. Sam Worthington is not as big in the film, but he's a better actor than he was years ago. And, of course, you don't see the human version of him anyway. Um, it, it's got all the basic issues you will have found with... Um, Avatar, but it is actually telling a slightly different story. Mm. I, I I liked it, but I, I think a lot of it was I liked it as an event, which is not yeah. what I felt in 2009. I didn't in an ordinary 3D, but something about being in that IMAX screening with the frame rate, with the immersion, with the beauty of it, I did have a reaction to it. But 24 hours later, I gave it a three-star review, so let's not get carried away. Yeah. I, I, I'm a bit like a bit judgmental like like pre-watching it just because i think it's over three hours and i and i think really like who's 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 really clamoring for a sequel to avatar like you know i mean i i i why is he not telling like a completely different story with like 
using like the the frame rate and all special why, why is he so fixated he's on avatar where i was like, desperate to see another avatar to be fair yeah, because i wasn't in love with it but yeah but do you know what i mean like i i, I but it, but it, about halfway through the film I, I want, halfway through the film films or something like yeah like, i know but he wants this it did something <laughs> to me because i mean i i am quite i'm quite smart enough to see how what james cameron is wanting us as an audience to mm. think right with his conservation message and all that. I, I, It's all very basic and there. But I tell you, halfway through that film, I could have given up my job and gone and been a fucking like, naturalist or something. Not a naturist. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. It, you know, I, I just wanted to be with nature. It, it had that effect on me. So as an experience, it was a bit special. As a film, no. It's got all of Cameron's flaws. But I, but I had a good time with it. Mm. I had a better time with it than I did the first Avatar. But when I heard him interview today and he said, well, people were telling me they wanted the sequel to be a bit longer. I was like, who the fuck did you talk to? The first one was two hours and 40 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. Who wanted that? Who said that? But I must say the length didn't really bother me. I mean, a lot of it is let's spend a little time with them in their first time in the water and stuff. Some of it is that you're learning the world and the culture and stuff as basic as it is. Um, But. Like I say, there's a set piece that ends the film. I'm not going to give any more than that, except it's day-night. And that's quite cool, because their sun sets differently over there, because it sets behind the planet, not the moon. So that's cool. So it goes dark quite quickly, although there's parts of the world, our world that does that. Um, so it's a day-night sequence, and I felt that went on too long. I will say that. But most of it I didn't really have a problem with. But I was going to take my wife to see it last night and we made a spur of the moment decision to go for a Chinese first. And you could just see it on her face. She was like, she likes to go early. She don't want to be sat in a cinema past like half ten, really. She just doesn't. Mm. And I could just tell. She didn't say anything and she would have gone. But like, I just pissed out. I, you know, I just, I lost the money actually. But it was like, it's just forget it. I've got the membership. I paid the uplift for the IMAX. But it's like, don't worry. We'll see it another day. Don't worry about it. You know, it's quite easy to pass on, is what I'd say. I enjoyed it and wanted to see it again, but when you think you're going to be in the screen for three hours and forty minutes with the adverts, you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't mind giving it a miss. I would, re- I would recommend seeing it though, but I'd recommend to anyone who hasn't seen the first one to see it. And I don't think it's that great a film. I just think see it. Why not? It's you know, whatever its cultural foot footprint, it is un- at least unadjusted the highest grossing film of all time you got three hours spare to have a look at it, haven't you? See what you think. And you might like it. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are detractors of Titanic, but there are also people out there who love it. I remember years ago, and I always sound patronising when I say, when I tell people this story, just because she was a cleaner, but I don't mean to patronise her at all. I was at the office one night, fairly late, about six months after Avatar came out, and I was chatting to the cleaner, right, who was a woman in probably her mid-50s, right? And somehow Avatar got mentioned. And she talked for about the next five minutes about what an emotional impact that film had on her. You know? It weren't hard to find people who did yeah. feel something, is all I'm saying. But it's a better film because there are there are fewer cliched characters in it. Although Quaritch is in it. And Carmela Soprano is in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard she's in it. Yeah. 
what was funny about it is she shot her bit like nearly four years ago so she thought the film had come out and not done very well she was shocked to find it was still yet to be released oh was she the one who yeah she the one who said that i thought it'd been out and flopped yeah that was it <laughs> yeah carmela soprano edie falco she's she's effectively the military boss in it she's effectively the, yeah. the, the giovanni rabisi you see giovanni rabisi on a tv screen and I, I honestly don't know. And you see Quaritch on a TV screen in human form. And I honestly don't know if they shot that in 2009 or just DH them. I don't know. What, they had the foresight to film at the time? Then. I just wonder. I mean, they might have not had everything planned, but he might have been. If we ever do a sequel, Quaritch will be my bad guy. And that's not really a spoiler. There have been shots yeah. everywhere that Quaritch becomes effectively a Navi. Um, and there's a video of him, his human self, explaining it to him. If you're watching this, I clearly died. That version of him has no memory of his death because obviously it, it is like the time, it is the Red Dwarf episode uh, body swap, the mind meld. He, he, had a, he had his mind put on a disc basically before he died. And Giovanni Rabisi is in the background of that shot and actually says one or two things to camera. And it's as they looked in the first film. So I don't know. And I've seen, I saw an interview with Stephen Lang the other day. It was him, Zoe, Sam. I can't remember if James Cameron was there. But there was at least three of them, maybe four. And they were being interviewed on a stage. And Stephen Lang does look older than he did in the first film. So I'm presuming they used mm. some de-aging. I don't know. But he, yeah, that's, that's he, been a few years now, isn't it? So he, he's another actor, though. He's like, he, he's he, he's in quite a few stuff. He but you forget that what the things he's been in. I almost he, can't tell you what he's been in because he he, he disappears. So he disappears into some roles. Like he, he can he can play like pretty much anything. Um, like he's in he's in Tombstone. I don't know if you've seen Tombstone. Yes, I've seen Tombstone. Again, yeah. another film I didn't see till about maybe six years and, ago. And and like he looks he, so kind in real life as well. When you look at his Wikipedia page, yeah. Um, he plays like a real nasty piece of work, doesn't he? But he I'm does. sure it's one of those things where, like in real life, he's actually no. lovely. It's no, funny because some things hit you different. Because in the first film, where he says, "You know, you're not in Kansas anymore. You're on Pandora." I was like, yeah, that's James Cameron fucking dialogue. Do you know what I mean? It's awful. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Well, the funny thing is the Avatar version of him says, says the same thing, right? More or less. And I'm like, well, that kind of works in this film because he doesn't remember doing the speech the first fucking time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I just like, I, 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 I always see, um, because they originally wanted uh, Michael Bean to play him. And I just think, yeah, like that, that, that that character's completely... I can see Michael Bean playing that character. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't think he got all of his first choices anyway. Um, I know his first choice for Jake Sully was uh, Matt Damon, but I didn't know that till fairly recently. Because they offered man, Matt Damon like 10% of adjusted gross, He'd have, you know, and he still makes jokes about it now. <laughs> Missed out on the opportunity. Yeah. I don't remember him in a lot of other stuff. I mean, he was in Public Enemies. I remember that film. Don't remember him in it. Um, obviously, Avatar. He was in. Oh, he was in the remake of Conan the Barbarian. I thought he was in the original for a start with the fucking Jason Momoa version. Um, <clears throat> actually, relatively, a lot of these films I've not seen. 
even though I know of the film. Uh, yeah, so we're definitely getting Avatar 3 and the rest will depend on the film doing phenomenally well. So we'll see. He didn't do a film does it, until... Does it end on a cliffhanger? No, but it ends on a kind of... It ends on a bit of a... We know more's coming. Um, you can tell more is coming. What I hope, and I think this film has told me this, is I hope that at least in one of the next three, if he does in fact get to do all three, we do see other environments again. There must be part of that. Part, there must be Navi who live in like snow or something. Do you know what mm. I mean? Um, and I'd like to see more than just you know. I don't want to see just the forest. I don't want to see just the reef again. But um, yeah, it's it's a strange film to review because I, I I think I've had the reaction Cameron would have expected from someone in like 2009. I, I got the wow factor this time. I didn't get last time, but I still think it's a deeply average film. But I also think it's a deeply average film everyone should see. And because of its preoccupations around things like family. It's all got things we can identify with. So whilst I gave it a three-star review, there are people who are going to watch it and it will be their favourite film and they'll get full mm. respect from me for that. Yeah, so the bits we've missed on this film are the burnt-out credit cards where he's like, Visa? And he's handing over a burnt <laughs> chip and the car on fire and then he ends up staying in it all night. I mean, how much money must they be out between them? They've been robbed once... Uh, they've lost the value of his ticket the car, he's just crashed into the motel I mean how much money do they have and then they just decide to like leg it Um, I mean, they... that, that, you wouldn't be able to drive that car no you wouldn't no, it, well the tyres would have burnt for a start wouldn't they um, Isn't it? Yeah, hardly roadworthy. I don't think. I mean, I'm not a motorist, but I could probably say that. You're not a motorist. You drive that car. Oh, well, yeah, then it probably is fine, Becca. If you're not a motorist, how can you tell? That might be. Um, well, this is that. I just, you know. <laughs> um, I think they're pulled over by the police, aren't they? And they're like, "Do you believe this car's roadworthy, sir?" <laughs> no. Oh gosh, gosh. A strange era of cars that look like that. They look like weird wood panelling on the side. I remember that in the Vacation film as well. It's like yeah. strange designer cars. I think that's probably everyone. one, despite living in America briefly as I did, I think I still managed, obviously I saw Christmas Story about the one about kids BB gun. Uh, yeah. I never did see the National Lampoon Christmas film. So well, I, I only saw... So, let me go and see the next one. That might be my next choice. You, uh, you're t- if nobody picks it before uh, I do. Who did, what did so we I do? Which it. one was last year? Which one? Which order are we in? I know I went first when we did it. Is it Chris um, next year or you? Uh, it was Gremlins last time. Yeah, so I, yeah, I picked Gremlins last time. So oh, Chris so it's, Chris, it's you next. Time. Yeah. You can okay. pick whatever you want. All right. But we, we can pencil in, possibly, the idea of Christmas vacation for the year after that. Because we'll still be here. We're not going anywhere. We'll be doing them. Oh, Michael <laughs> McKean. going to be in your earballs. I forgot Michael McKean had a little cameo in this. It's the lead singer of Spinal Tap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'll never forget when he I, played... He, I'll when, the second lead guitarist. When he played, um, when he played, uh, they played the Freddie Mercury concert. I think it was the Freddie Mercury one. It could have been the Mandela one, but I think it was the Freddie Mercury one. And they came out on stage, but they only played one song. 
and he said and, and his words he went to his microphone and he said we've decided to cut our set, set short by 37 songs tonight <laughs> just thought it was funny <laughs> and of course one of his bandmates is married to Jamie Lee Curtis who's really? who's tits we saw in a previous Christmas commentary special yes she really is great in that film like she mm. is just fantastic I just think she's like, well, you know she's kind of quite quite a, Quite a tricksy role, but yeah, she really holds her own. Well, obviously she won't be in it because she was in the original, but it made me think of Knives mm. Out. Of course, we get the sequel on Netflix three days after we're recording this. Yes. This this will come out Did as soon as I edit it. Because it, kind of, it, it came out. It came out for a week. We've got a Cineworld and a View. Yeah. The View showed it. The Cineworld didn't. Yeah. I was quite happy it's, to go like to the View and watch it, but I think my wife was working like nights and stuff, and it was like. So she can't get to it. I'm, I'm not going to watch it without her. She's only got one night off. I thought, yeah. no, I owe it, it to her. So it'll I be watch on Netflix it. soon enough anyway. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm well. reviewing it. So I wanted to go so I could do the review oh. early. But it doesn't matter. I'll just watch it on Netflix. And with the schedule for the site anyway, it won't go up till New Year's Day anyway. Or New Year's, new just after New Year. But it's had good, from the cinematic release that's received anyway, it's had... Good, um, good review, so. I expect it to be a very similar standard to the first one. Mm. Um, I love the fact that he dri- drives the van up and it's like great comfort, and I think they've got to sit in the back, haven't they? Yeah. Just so the heater's working. About people riding in his cab. I don't know why he's allowed to drive it over, but he let him. So he ends up freezing in the boot. With the boot? That's a British sound, isn't it? The, at the back. <laughs> Trunk. The trunk. In the trunk. Well, I don't know what you would call it on a lorry. If you wouldn't call it a lorry, would you? You'd call it a semi. I haven't got one of those. The film's good, but it's not good. <laughs> I don't know about that, thank you. Yeah, like semi. I was like, what do you mean, sorry? Mm. Semi was like, oh, lorry. Oh, truck. Yeah. And I was like, what? But, I mean, you can <laughs> it is t- another language, isn't it? You really? can tell that, like, even when they say goodbye to each other, Neil is just glad to be seeing the back of him. I, I kind of think they've... They've made that connection. I mean, he is, he's relieved by it all, but you just think they have made a connection. I, I think, think it's when he, like, when he sits know. on the train and you get that moment to reflect and he just yeah. thinks back and he goes, well, that bit made me smile and actually I'm, yeah. I'm now he, laughing. He was an ass, That's a matte painting. That is a yeah. bad matte painting. That is, that is a really obvious matte Where painting. did they actually <laughs> film it then? Because they obviously drove on a real road, but not into Chicago. No, they must have shot it somewhere else and added that in. They've just matted over the top. That was like quite obvious, Matt painting. It's a good friend, Matt, Matt painting. Yeah. <laughs> like that bit in The Spy Love Me, where it's just Roger Moore painted against a wall. Yeah. It, it is very, very odd because, like, so when you go to, like, I know in, like, around going to New York, it doesn't look real. You see, like, actually, the city. Itself. Yeah, it looks artificial, doesn't it? It, it? it looks like you're driving towards a model. It's really odd. Well, I mean, I drove from outside into like Boston which is a smaller city but it's a city and I, I know what you're trying to say and I did see the skyline of New York coming from Newark Airport I think some of it is your familiarity with it you're just mm. like it, it is like something stepping out of a picture or something but that was a map painting to be clear yeah yeah <laughs> and I've never it just, noticed it before. Just, it just reminded me of it yeah mm. it's when you do get towards a big city and you're suddenly in about eight lanes and you're like I know how to drive. I'm comfortable driving. I've been doing this for decades, 
but I am on quote unquote the wrong side of a car, uh, the road in a car I don't know very well, in a city I've never been to. Am I in the right lane? And fuck me, what are the driving standards like here? You know what I yeah. mean. <laughs> I remember driving into Toronto once. It's, it's, it's also the spatial awareness because you're like you're in a bigger vehicle on a bigger yeah, not road. Not only that, like... when when you drive on the other side of the car, on the other side of the road to what you're used to, for a while it doesn't feel like you're driving in a straight line. You you feel slightly wobbly. It's really odd. And I know that. Um, I drove into Toronto once, which is like a mini New York, really. It's like a cleaner mini New York, but it's really busy. And I remember finally <laughs> finally parking out up at about, you know, 24 bucks for six fucking hours, that sort of thing. Um, and I just remember being relieved, not because I was frightened, but I felt like the longer I was driving in this city, the more I was pushing my luck because I didn't know the city, didn't know the car that well didn't know the driving standards do you know what i mean and i, yeah. I was just like like i'm, I'm glad I've, I, i'm not driving for a couple of days now because I, I can't have anything go wrong oh, i drove, I, wait, well, I drove, I drove I, to new orleans I, as well last month with bare hands straight for the oven um that i oh every time spider-man has ruined me for thanksgiving and the reason I say that is, and I might have said it when we did the first Spider-Man film with Willem Dafoe, I, I saw behind the scenes that when they filmed that scene where Willem Dafoe's invite, invited to the apartment for Thanksgiving mm. and he leaves and insults Mary Jane in that, they were filming it all day under hot studio lights and the turkey started going bad and it stank apparently. So oh. every time I say, and they, whenever you see them in films, they're always exquisitely basted and like nice and brown and stuff. And that's a flip shot. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, it's flipped. It's flipped. His hair's on the wrong side. Ah. It's back on the right side. It's because he needed to run one way and they, they, they realised he was going the wrong way. Flip shots are stupid when a, play, when a man has a side parting. It's a really stupid <laughs> thing to do. Continuity error. Yeah, there's one in Thunderball, though they fixed it on the Blu-ray. When he's looking down from the helicopter, that was always the... Oh, yeah, that's a yeah, flip shot. They, fli- they flipped it back, though, for the helicopter. It's the other they way flipped now. it over. Um, I forget what I'm saying. That really matters. It just looked like Steve Martin. That was weird. No, but I said something before I noticed it was a flip shot. But it don't matter. It was about turkeys and. Yeah, apparently it was stinking. So every time I see a like what looks like a really nice turkey, I imagine it's been sat around on the set all day, and that actually puts it right. She's probably picked it's it. It's probably a fake. She's picked it out of the oven for the fifty seventh fucking take. Probably a fake turkey. Yeah. It's not even real. Well, it it's made of, like, Some, sometimes you see them cut into it, so that has to be real. But when that's the case, oh yeah, they, they probably have like a, a real one just for that yeah. particular, you know. Walk up the middle of the road, get run over. Credits. I mean, how big a house do you need? I mean, he's got two children. How many bedrooms are upstairs there? Yeah, they have massive houses, don't they? Well, not all of them, I suppose, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he does. Worth him never seeing his wife. Somebody type in something. Oh, that's me, sorry. Sorry. Have they just, like, well, to get the train, you just walked it? Um, I don't know. Or unless they've still got to walk from the train station. That wasn't his trunk, was it? He, he wouldn't yeah. have been carrying anything that heavy. 
And he hasn't called from the station or anything because she still looks a bit like crestfallen, like he's not going to make it. It does look exactly like the same house in Home Alone. Uh, the house in Home Alone. I mean, they've got eight, eight kids, nine kids, and they're living in a fucking mansion. What does he yeah, do? Like a big family. I mean, were they selling sex tapes? What were they doing back <laughs> when they were rare? Honey, I'd like to meet a friend of mine. He's irritating as fuck. He'll probably spill his food everywhere, and you'll be desperate for the smelly bastard to leave. This is Stel Griffin. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know where the fiction about having a wife came from and going home. I don't know what he was gonna do. Just sit in the station. I don't I don't know what he would have done. Does he just travel around because he's got to do something and all the companies close? I don't know. What would Dale Griffith have done if he'd never met Neil or never met anybody? Don't know. How would he have got home? Well, he, he's saying he doesn't have a home. So presumably he just lives in motels. But yeah, dead at forty-three. He was a month or two away from forty-four. So yeah, he was. It's sad, isn't it? I didn't realise. I knew. I remember the day he died. I remember the day he died. Or I remember the report, so probably the next day, you know what I mean. But I remember reading the report that he died. And of course, we didn't have constant access to the internet, so it wasn't a rumour and then breaking news and all that kind of yeah. shit. You picked up a newspaper and there it was. Freeze frame. Yeah, freeze frame. Yeah. Face black. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it ends a bit awkwardly, though. It's like, it just sort of like, you know, John Candy looking a little bit like kind of well, a bit touched, a bit like he looks. Ha- he's, he was a pretty good actor actually because he looks halfway between very grateful and very uncomfortable. Mm. Like, yeah. But then I'm a I, bit. I, like I was going to say, had he did not died, he'd mm. probably, he probably probably would have won an Oscar. Like probably late nineties, early two thousands ish. I could see, you know, it'd be like had to be a bit of a resurgence, to get more serious role. He's, I'm not saying literally this director, but it's the sort of thing where, like Tarantino, will occasionally cast someone you'd never thought of. Yeah. Who was dropping off the map or something? Um, he could well have been, you know, cast in a serious role. We've seen that before from comedians. We saw it. We've seen it with Eddie Murphy and others. Um, it, it's perfectly possible. Steve Martin has done. Yeah. I, I get, I get like the um, the Robin Williams quality. You know, you know, where like he's usually playing comedic stuff, but then but then like, he did, but of, then he'll do Good Will Hunting. Yeah, like, uh, but because he has such a like an earnestness, even when he just even if there's like comedy, there's like there's a there's an actual serious like yeah. um, human quality to him. Yeah, no one would have done. Um, uh, what's the one? Dead poets better than him. No one mm. would have done that role better than him. Uh, sometimes yeah. I found his comedy way too much. I mean, we've talked yeah, yeah, yeah. about that, but I can't deny I can't deny his talent and and even his comedy when he was at the top well, of his game. For me, it's Good Will Hunting. That, that I just he was fantastic in that. Yeah. No. But yeah, there we are. I'm still going through some credits for a minute. Um. So yeah, Christmas films will largely be Christmas films, but we occasionally, if we want to put something in, and it's it's winter and it's holidayish, no mm. problem. 
Um, I mean, what other, like, um, sort of, not strictly Christmas Christmas films are there? Do you mean, what might I do that isn't a Christmas film, but I do for Christmas commentary? Yeah. Groundhog Day. The, yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Uh, what else? I can't really think of many others. Yeah. Because we haven't done a single version of A Christmas Carol yet. And there are many. No, we need to do that. We need so, to Scrooge is. Scrooged loosely, yes. But yeah, it, but it isn't. Like it is a traditional it, story. It, we haven't done any of the like adaptations of the Charles Dickens novels. We haven't. The, um, the Patrick Stewart one was on TV today, which I've not seen, so I've recorded it. It's good. It's good. Yes. Is that um, the animated one? No, 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 no. It's no, live it's action. 19, he, he made it in 99. He made it in 99. So he's about the age he was when he shot the first, like, X-Men. There are four goats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's there's also the Albert Finney version. Right, That's is that the musical one? Yeah. Okay. Um, my favourite is the George C. Scott one. That was made for yeah, television. Yeah, exactly. that's another that, one I've not that, seen. That's, check that's it out. 1984. That's really good. Um, I remember got, seeing that the most at the time. Then you've got the Muppets one, obviously. Patrick Stewart and Alistair Sim. That's that would be my top four. Alistair Sim is um, like the absolute classic. That's the go-to. Uh, I would probably thinking about it because I just agreed with one of our listeners earlier in his top four. I would probably swap swap the Muppets and uh, I prefer Patrick Stewart to the Muppets. The Muppets is good. But it isn't actually as funny as you think it's going to be. They tell it quite straight. It's got jokes in it, but I, I would put that behind Georgie Scott and Patrick Stewart. Um, Kelsey Grammer did a version I don't like. Uh, Jim Carrey did a version, but it's typical Robert Zemeckis mocap. It's got a shitload of superfluous action sequences thrown in. It's not I bad. That's pretty cool, actually. It's, it's all right. From a technical standpoint. It's it's all right. I, I might show I might show I might show Joanna that soon because she's not. I've she'd never heard of the story. Cause she's not from here. So I, I showed her the Patrick Stewart one last year, and I showed her the Muppets one this year, and I may show her the Jim Carrey one. Um, Kelsey Grammer's I didn't like. There's a few I've not seen. I've not seen. There was a version that Kate Winslet did a song for, an animated one, in about 2000. Yeah. I've not seen it. There's a new version on Netflix this year which is animated. I've not seen that. Um, but yeah, so what I'm getting at is that there's several of those to do. So whilst you wouldn't want a different version every year, we'll do versions of that. Um, Batman Returns. Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, they're all possibilities. And there are other Christmas films I probably haven't thought of. I did see A Christmas Story. It's when I had that involvement with an American lady years ago. We watched that sort of remotely from each other while on like a Skype call. I watched A Christmas Story. I've not seen that. That's a possible. That's on some streaming services. Um, there's, a, there's a really old one that was re-released at the cinema recently, um, mm. Bishop's Wife, with David Niven and Cary Grant. I think oh, yeah, it's on not seen it. Amazon Prime. It's like 47 or something like that. Talking of another film that um, uh, most people have seen and I hadn't until literally two nights ago, I watched the Richard Attenborough version of A Miracle on 34th Street. I oh, it's lovely, isn't it? I watched that two nights ago. Lovely I haven't film. seen the original. That's from the 40s. I think that's also streaming. Uh, yeah, they're both available. Um, so, yeah, all of these things can be done, and a lot of it will be what did we think of on a given year. Um, and, and just last year, planes, it's a bit like Trading Places. A year or two before I did it, it, it just sort of stuck in my mind, and Planes Trains stuck in my mind this time. I think even though it's now three years away, 
So we're now talking at the we're now talking a Groundhog Day being six years away. <laughs> the reason I say that, unless somebody picks it first. No, the reason I say that though is I think because I didn't pick a traditional Christmas one this time, I probably will next time. But obviously we got two choices in between. Chris will choose next year, so that'll be some pile of shit probably. But, <laughs> oh no! But a really entertaining one. He'll pick something kind of funny and cool. He will. I've got no problem with either of his choices. It's just when you look at mine, they're all critically acclaimed. And then you look at his and they're like, action action star does a crap family film. (laughs) I chose that. I chose Trading Places. My my choices are a bit random, like Scrooged and things like that. Both (laughs) Scrooged and Gremlins, both brilliant choices. So any other... Yeah, yeah, Becker's is like a bit more of the people's choices. Like, and... uh, Whereas, whereas mine is a bit more. Uh, well, yours are like the edgy ones, and then yeah. Dave's like critically acclaimed. Though, I've, I've heard heard of like a take. I can't remember somewhere, but I've seen it kind of like pushed, like by like I've sort of, sort of making like how Love Actually is like the best Christmas film. I was like, no, it's not. Well, we covered it for Christmas. <laughs> no, so it's not. That was your choice. Yeah, but it's not the best. No, Christmas it isn't. Film. Come on, it isn't remotely. But then. Again, if I, it, she hasn't asked for it, but if I was in a relationship with someone who said like they loved it and wanted to watch it every year, it's like fine. I, yeah. I get my "It's a Wonderful Life" every Christmas Eve, so uh, no problem at all. I don't find it. I find it a little bit long and disjointed and a bit cheesy in places, but I don't. You know, it's not awful, is it? It's watchable enough. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a mismatch. Sometimes you get like there's some parts of it. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like. Argh. And then you have got the nativity films. Which I've not seen oh gosh, any yeah. of. I've not seen any of them. The first one no. is quite good. The second one Martin is amazing. Freeman's the first. Tenant in yeah, and the third one's roles. Martin Clunes. And the third one is completely different. What, in what way? Yeah, <laughs> they were on TV recently. Are they not doing the nativity in that one then? Uh, I think it just it goes slightly down a different route. All right. You, she um, doesn't want to spoil it. She doesn't want to spoil <laughs> it in case I want to see it. But directed by yeah. Debbie, is it? So very good. All right. Um, but it's I, one of those kind of. Yeah. I was having this debate with our, on our family chat. It's like, well, you know, the typical British underdog type movies, um, that you know, it's kind of gaining a cult following. <laughs> I did very well at the box office. Do you remember those? Well. Do you remember those that trend like, like a few year, like a few years ago, probably more like ten years ago now, where like there's lo- there lots of like British dance films kept propping up, like like st- like break dancing or whatever it is that was like that kept popping up all the time or this in 3D do you remember those? no not no. really oh, I've forgot the name of them there was like, I don't think it was Step Up but it was like in that kind of vein oh alright yeah I can't place what you I can't place it but I, you've, you've put me in the right era I know when you're thinking about now well it's just like yeah like like the, uh, it, was, it was usually British movie I think it was like all the times when uh, Britain's Got Talent got going and all these like sort of dance Strictly acts and those kind yeah. of things yeah all these dance acts yeah. become popular but okay. I kept, yeah, they kept popping up yeah mm-hmm. Chris any, 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 um, there, any early thoughts on next year's choice we're not going to hold you to anything yet. by the way I don't know yet um, I have to have to think about it mm. so yeah loads of choice Becca's toying with what was it you were talking about? I forget Maybe what you National said. Lampoon, but uh, we'll, that see, would be, we'll see. That would be a really cool choice. Juliet Lewis I've, was I've the kid in that. It, so I'll try and correct it between maybe Christmas and next Christmas. 
things yeah. that I try I try not to like rob anyone else's choices and because like I'm, because there's, there's there's also like a, an element of like well Becca's choosing this kind of thing well, if, if, if you want to choose it you can yeah but if you choose it I still get to do it I mean as as, yeah. we, as with what I've just said I'll be fucking quite old by the time we do Grand Hog Day <laughs> so like <laughs> Um, I can't let's do Grand Hog Day. So, it's one of my favorites. So if you want to call out, you can. I don't care. But like, yeah, my next choice will, which is three years away, will almost certainly be a version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well, I'll have to think about it. So, but that doesn't those. stop other people choosing because I, I'm quite ambivalent on which one, and I may not like him in live action. But if you do like Patrick Stewart, I might go. Well, I'll do the Jim Carrey one then, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Or we can maybe work through them like his, mm. historically in the, date order. Well, the good thing about the Jim Carrey one, for example, is it, it's always on streaming. It's always on Disney Plus or something. And even if people who don't have it all the time might get Disney Plus for a month at Christmas or something. So it's it's quite an accessible one, whereas the Patrick Stewart one seems to come and go. The George C. Scott one I can't always find. Uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present in the um, Patrick in the George C. Scott one is Edward Woodward. Oh, is it now? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, like two, and two and David Warner's well. in that as well. I'm pretty sure he's Bob Cratchit in that one. Oh yeah. yeah. I might have dreamt that though. No, no, he is. He is. Um, no, it's really good. Blackadder's Christmas Carol's too short. I say about okay. 40 minutes. <laughs> Although we could one year do like a combination. We could do that and Mickey's Christmas a Carol. Blackadder or something else. Yeah, Mickey's Christmas Carol or something. We could do a compilation. We could do like Blackadder. Father said, "Christmas special." Oh my god! Well, just do just do a Christmas specials, Christmas special, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. TV, and, TV and, and the League of Gentlemen. There you are. Oh, the League of Gentlemen. We've got Inside Number Nine Christmas special coming up Thursday, haven't we? So. What's on that? On TV. Um, Inside Number Nine. Um, it's, it's, obviously, it's the season for Christmas specials on TV. I've seen very little Inside Number Nine. Oh, God, check it out. It's really I think good. half oh, of gosh. the problem is I fell so in love with the League of Gentlemen, I kind of almost didn't want to watch them in anything else. Yeah, check them out. Check them out. So good. Uh, They're it, all on iPlayer. It, it, it's different enough mm. that it's yeah, not it's, like... Yeah, I don't know why I've got to different. it. Isn't it different every week as well? Yeah. yeah, yeah that kind of put me off. Things. It's one of the reasons I've not watched much Black Mirror. It's like, well, I don't want to watch a series of half-hour mini-films. That's weird. But anyway. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Do, do check it out. It's really, really good. Mm. They'll have you guessing. It's very twisty turny. Yeah, I mean, good. yeah, you hit some misses. There's some, some, some you like and some you... you you're not that bothered about, boy. The League no, of Gentlemen the certainly, like, very, very certainly the first two seasons of the League of Gentlemen. They changed the format a bit in the third season, and it wasn't yeah. as good. But it, it is basically a sketch comedy show in a sitcom environment with overtones of horror. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, that's that could be said from a lot of their shows as well. There's mm. always kind of like a mystery thriller horror element as well. And the same with Inside Number Nine. The same with um, League of Gentlemen. The same with. Catherine, the same that you know, any sort of show that they vaguely had a hand handprint on. Anyone um, watching who's never seen it, I'm thinking more of American audiences. If you've ever seen our Sherlock, the one with Benedict, his brother in that is Mark Gatiss, who is one of the League of one, Gentlemen. One third or one fourth mm. of League of Gentlemen. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, I think the best way to describe it is like it's a, it's a bit. If what if Morty Python went all in on <laughs> Hammer? Yeah, literally, Morty Python meets Hammer. That's probably a good way to. To summer, um, summarise it for sure. You know how you feel when you watch an American Werewolf in London and they send the the boys out of the pub onto the roads by themselves. You know, even oh, well. yeah, that, that, like that. that's how the League of Gentlemen feels. <laughs> that sense of dread. Yeah. But it's really funny. Yeah. 
and it's just some small Yorkshire town. And in the second season, their mayor is Roy Chubby Brown. <laughs> whose name? Whose real name is Royston Basie. Yeah, is yeah. the name of the town. And he can't stop swearing, just as the guy can't in real life, because he gets through one bit where he's Lord Mayor and they're talking to him, and he gets through everything he wants to say without swearing. And they it's, said, yeah, it's and they said, it's like and they said, and then they comedy. said, Lord Mayor, thank you. He says, you're fucking welcome. Really funny. Yeah, all you, all you have to know is like sort of like one of the opening gags is like the sound saying "Welcome to Royston Basie, you'll never leave." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll never escape. <laughs> yeah, and the butcher there is selling something which it hints is might be human meat, but they don't really. No, it's human meat, dog meat, or and something. And it's a it's series not... of sketches, but it's in a sitcom environment. And all the characters are all grotesque, like they yeah. all wear lots of makeup and, and they all quite play terrifying. multiple different characters. So Mark Gatiss plays the butcher, but he also plays a faded, a faded <laughs> pop star. And he plays dogs. this vet. He, he, he's really kind, and it's a lot of farms around there. So he goes to like. I don't know, there's there's some obstruction in a cow, so he puts his hand up the cow's backside and then pulls and out explodes. its fucking intestines or something. He ends up killing every vet, yeah, every he animal he treats. <laughs> the League of Gentlemen. It, it's, always, it's always that look on his face, that kind of like, that, that kind of embarrassed Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, usually you have to like blood dripping off it after like some horrific accident. <laughs> yeah, it'll take you an episode, funny. it'll take you a couple of episodes to tune into it. But it's yeah, yeah. It's, very, it's very particular, isn't it? It's, it's very British in, in many ways. We've never had a sitcom like it. No. Uh, well, no, Sketcher, whichever you want to call it. Um, and it, yeah, very influential. Anyway, um, so we sort of talked about that film. Uh, Chris is going to choose for next year. And we move back now to um, our Dollars Trilogy films and leone and will but we'll get together before new year and just chat for a couple of hours we we've got no agenda and no plan we'll just talk yeah. um maybe do a review of the year I, I, I probably would have seen avatar 2 by then so yeah oh, we may we end up talking that. about one film for two hours or 20 films for 20 minutes or no films <laughs> at all see where it takes our fancy see what see where we go um it's just a little bonus uh, the closest thing we, we haven't planned it to be like this but if any of you listen to the film cast they do an after dark sometimes which can go off in Ooh. any direction it's a bit like that that's what it'll be but longer because it's us and we like to rant a little bit and so, go off on a tangent. Um, from me merry christmas uh, i hope you all have a wonderful christmas and new year and thank you for another year we're into our eighth year now um <gasps> and our six six years since we did our first one of these thank you for all your support and your patience because we know there are gaps Merry Christmas everyone yeah. Merry Christmas everyone and thank you for listening uh, you can be sure to find us all on Podbean our new home which we moved late this week uh, well, not this week this year yes so we just, you should find us all on there it should be like, a lot easier as well absolutely I don't know if the old Cinematronics episodes are on there but most of them that were just me and Chris were sort of simulcasts anyway so you'll find them in the definitely on YouTube yeah definitely yeah um, our, our summer reviews uh, we didn't do a summer review this year and I think we got out of the habit of doing them so let's see mm. next year because we've probably seen enough to do one this year but it's a bit late we're not doing a summer review yeah. in December so we'll just do one for the year I will have the list of films I've seen up but of course, with Becca there, it's just going to take a, on a different life anyway. But we'll try and get back to doing the next year. All right, okay. Maybe say so. Anyway. That's goodbye from him. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs>